Hello, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to another episode of the Polarizer Podcast. This episode is brought to you by Alert. Alert is the app for people with food allergies who want to travel the world. You have the option of selecting one of 14 different allergies, ranging from peanuts to dairy to gluten to shellfish to gluten. To, I already said gluten? Yeah, I think so. Well, you can only select gluten once, but you select whatever you're allergic to. And then the next screen, you select your specific diet. So if you are you have a vegetarian diet or a vegan diet, you can uh, tick that boxes too. Let's say you don't want to eat eggs or you don't want to drink milk or don't want to eat meat on top of that. You select that too. And then on the third screen, you get 44 different languages. So let's say you select your allergic to dairy, peanuts, and gluten. And then you select your don't want to eat meat or drink milk or whatever you don't want to do. And you select Chinese and then the app will generate an allergy information card for you that you can show the local people where you're traveling. So it's basically an allergy card generator on your phone. You can find it on the iOS app store spelled A-L-L-E-R-T alert with double L. And this show is also brought to you by Onnit. Onnit is a health and fitness juggernaut dedicated to delivering total human optimization to its vast consumer base of athletes, thinkers, fitness gurus, and entrepreneurs. Through a wide array of products and supplements, Onnit combines cutting-edge science, earth-grown nutrients, and time-tested strategies to help people reach peak performance. Whether you're climbing mountains or biking down them, building businesses or closing sales, chasing personal records in the weight room or running a marathon on is the brand you want to have in your back pocket as one of the fastest growing health and fitness companies in the world honest refuses to bring anything but the very best to market whether it be energy bars protein shakes creatine or their flagship product alpha brain on its diverse lineup of products and supplements are backed by science and research they also have a bunch of very cool strength and conditioning stuff like kettlebells and uh, clubs that, that you can swing around and, and ropes and also uh, jiu-jitsu geese, all kinds of good stuff. And they also have the Onnit Academy where you can find all kinds of very good motivational articles and it's all free. You can go on there, read it and uh, do yourself a favor to improve your life a little bit there. And here's another thing that improves your life because you can save some money by using the code POLARIZER, that's P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E-R, you get 10% off any of all supplements. That's POLARIZER on onnit.com at checkout. And if you if you don't like it, you can just uh, cancel your order, you get your money back. So uh, you don't even have to send it back. So that's uh, they really believe in their product. So um, yeah, it's all good. It's all legit. Use the code board POLARIZER to get 10% off every order. My guest today is my good friend Oliver. We backpack through Australia together with a bunch of other people and uh, we'll be shooting the shit about uh, all kinds of cool adventures that we had there, man. We um, we talk about working on the farm, some, uh, some funny stories about uh, the hostel life and just... Um, what what the backpacker lifestyle is like in Australia and also New Zealand. We eventually also talk about life in the outback. When uh, one of our friends went there and he went hunting wild boars with dogs and uh, just uh, just some real 
very, very cool, very cool outdoorsy story. So give it up for Oliver. Recorded someplace random on this interesting planet we live on with your host, Nick Hube. You're listening to the Polarizer Podcast. Boom. No recording. How are you, man? I'm good, man. Yourself? Pretty good. Pretty good. Long time no see. Yeah, years. Yeah, years. Literally years. What is it, two years? Yeah. Yeah, we're, uh, for our listeners, we're sitting in uh, Rotterdam on my balcony now. And the last time we hung out was in Australia, Magnetic Island. That's right, sir. That's right. Magical place on the northeast coast of Australia. Well, <clears throat> let's just start at the beginning, man. In uh, 2016, we met up in Sydney when we did this. Uh, yeah, we. I guess we both kind of had our own reasons to just leave home and fly to the other end of the world and travel with a backpack around Australia for a year. Oh, yeah. I mean, <laughs> back then I didn't have a hair on my chin, so time, <laughs> times have changed. But yeah, I think... Um, sense of adventure and, and something new a new challenge yeah because uh, you're from the uk right yeah exactly yeah. i mean there's only so many gray skies you can see before you want to see a blue horizon so <laughs> yeah definitely that's a beautiful way of putting it and how old were you when you uh, uh 23 so you were done just yet done with uni or uh, yeah just finished up uni so four years there lived in spain for a year as you already know and then, yeah, worked, worked for a healthcare company for six months and thought, is this it? <laughs> <laughs> what, what was your day like there? What motivated you to uh, ah, get out of there? <laughs> so, um, yeah, it was Groundhog Day every day. So I, I'd cycle in. Then, uh, yeah, log on to those emails, <laughs> do a few reports, you know, your standard working day, really. And Staring then, uh, computer. Yeah, from a tiny company, about three people there. So you can imagine if someone else is having a bad day, the entire office is having a bad day, unfortunately. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's um, it was one of those moments where you're like, okay, well, I need to change something if I'm not happy. So yeah, I talked to a friend, and we were we were both keen because we we knew each other from uni before. So yeah, we were like, let's do it. That's cool. Yeah, I uh, my reason was uh, same, just stuck in 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 a job for three years and I, I didn't like it that much for three years to put it mildly yeah. and um, yeah I just hopped on the plane and um, one day arrived in Sydney Australia on your own as well yeah it's brave yeah were, were you you were you travel with your friends right yeah. Yeah. yeah yeah so we um the uh vision at the start of the trip if you can call it that was that we'd do we'd do 12 months maybe do two years working on a farm that I can come on to later and those <laughs> kind of stories that <laughs> didn't exactly go to plan but yeah the, the the kind of goal was to get a job for six months we naively went over there thinking we could just get an office job or some kind of job that paid fairly okay to, to get us by and then the rest of the, the trip was funded through us working and everything would work out very well <laughs> Yeah. But in actual fact, it didn't. But I mean, that's what kind of made it enjoyable as well. And you don't really know what's coming the next week or the next day sometimes. But that's what's so good about traveling. Yeah, it is. Not got that kind of repetitive routine that you you're trying to escape for at least a little while. Yeah. Well, especially if you uh, if you 
do the hostel thing because you know there's new people i mean what we did we always just went into the biggest room pretty much you know where, where there's like uh, yeah. six to, to 12 bunk beds so every day there's new people coming in people coming out and sometimes you wake up because there's people having sex in bunk beds you know have, have you have you had the sex wake up alarm while you were there or uh, <laughs> uh, uh yeah <laughs> <laughs> from other people and uh and myself. On, on, yeah, he took on some revenge too. One or two occasions, yeah, yeah I had it coming <laughs> to me. So, uh, yeah, I uh, was one night, I think it was a, a shared dorm where there's was, was probably 16 people in there. <laughs> and I'm normally quite a reserved guy. I wouldn't normally do anything like that before going to Australia. But, uh, yeah, when you've had a few drinks and you're on an IA and you're in a hostel... In a place where you'll probably never come back again. Exactly. There's barely any repercussions. So I thought, yeah. you know what, let's have some fun. Australia is a pretty wild place, man. It, it brings out the crazy. Oh, yeah. People. Yeah. But, uh, but before that, before I get on to that. Yeah, we'll, we'll get there. Yeah. When, we'll cross oh, yeah, that bridge yeah. when we get there. We got there. time. Yeah. But uh, yeah, I remember we landed in Sydney on the first day and uh, we were checking into the hotel and uh, we had no idea at the time that it was Mardi Gras. We didn't even know what Mardi Gras was. Right. So it was me and my uh, my friend there and got some quite suggestive looks from the receptionist that, dude, you know, Mardi Gras is on, you know, you should you should go, you'll be interested. I'm like, right, okay, well, you know, some kind of cultural event that I've not been to before. I'll, yeah. uh, I'll check it out. <laughs> and uh, yeah, it was completely not what I expected at all. Just thousands of people lying in the streets in in anything from a string vest to bondage gear. I mean, it's uh, it's a far cry from where I'm from in the UK, that is for sure. And yeah, because uh, Mardi Gras in, in Sydney is, is uh, uh, means gay pride, I think. Yeah, yeah, I think it does. It's a huge event, yeah. It's a huge yeah. celebration. But um, the thing that kind of summarized it all up in one image from me was when we was watching the flotillas go by and the different kind of themes that we had going on. And there's just this guy, and he must have been retirement age, just waltzed down from his, his flat or his house or wherever he lived to the side of the road, and he was wearing a thong, nothing else. <laughs> and I think that was the only evening of the year he probably could have got away with that. <laughs> so just look there in his thong with just smile on his face, just watching people go by and no one battered an eyelid. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, it's, it's nice that it's uh, possible, you know. Yeah, I... I I was there during that time too, and I saw yeah. some shit too, man. It was uh, Aussies like to party? Oh yeah, that's for sure. If, if there's one thing they're notorious for, it's definitely having a having a good few beers and a good barbecue. But yeah, they they do like to party. Yeah, I got to say, Australia is the only place I think where I've seen people get on. I mean, I've, I've been been to quite a bit of places in the world, but. For me, always, uh, UK was number one for people just getting, like, next level drunk, you know. I mean, the Dutch, we're, we're good drinkers, especially if you go to small towns, and the Americans know how to drink, too. But, yeah. I don't know, man, the UK is just, yeah. And then the Australians kind of take it even further than that. It's oh, yeah, <laughs> I mean... <laughs> I didn't know what goon was before I went over there. Goon, and, yeah, yeah. Explain yeah. that. What? What's? What, you it's, know. Um, <laughs> it's kind of like a a poncho or like a, a poncho or a foil bag of 
liquid wine, basically the, the the cheapest of the cheap, but the strongest of the strong, <laughs> like it's forty percent or something, or no, even it's, higher. It's, I think it's uh, the 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 wineries. They have the the wine they would normally just th- throw into the sewer. They they figured well, if we put this into a box. People will still buy it and, and drink it, and it's just and they filter it through fish guts. Actually, wow! If I didn't you, know that. Yeah, if if you look on the packaging, <laughs> it says allergy information. This product contains fish. And, uh, well, there you go. We didn't know what we were drinking after all. Yeah, and if you drink a lot of it the next day, your piss smells like fish. It's uh, yeah, it's, yeah. It's, I, can't, I can't say I had the same it's, thing, it's, but <laughs> it's pretty awful. Yeah, you you have to mix it with yeah. Uh, I think I got lucky with Sprite and and or or something to to hide it because it's uh, oh yeah. But for for a group of backpackers where they've got about twenty dollars between them, something that costs <laughs> five that can be shared out between twenty people is ideal. So yeah. it's the and liquor is expensive the there, man. Like oh if you, yeah. If you yeah. order a beer in a in a in a bar, that's ten dollars. Yeah, and it's not even a special beer or something. It's just a. Regular, yeah, Colton drought or or whatever it is. Yeah, it's just some weak pilsner. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> just your generic lager. Yeah. yeah, but yeah, I guess it's because they have to import it sometimes. But even the homebrew stuff over there is yeah. it's quite expensive. Oh, but they they just tax it because they try to stop people from drinking so much. But it doesn't yeah. really doesn't really work. Yeah, well, they tried the lockout laws, didn't they? That we experienced while we were there as well. <laughs> I mean, the first night we went on as a as a group on the tour package that we were on, I think two people went outside at about 12 o'clock and they told they couldn't get back in. Yeah, 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 that's yeah. right. I remember. <laughs> <laughs> that was a lesson learned very quickly. Yeah, and also the, the bigger bars, they have this security system where they take a picture of you, they scan yeah. your ID, and then they, I don't think they take your fingerprint, but they take they scan your license and they, they take a picture of you. And then they put you in this database, and if you if you get kicked out of a bar, you're instantly banned from all the bars that have the same system. <laughs> <laughs> you got to go to a new city to drink. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> ah, but yeah, they love a good drag act over there as well. I've uh, <laughs> I've never been somewhere where they find drag so so funny, but yeah, it's such a main theme of a night out there. Yeah. I, I don't get why it's so great, but just a bunch of dudes wearing dresses. I mean, yeah, I guess it's funny for, for a little, it's a little bit funny, I guess, but is yeah, it really that funny? Can you remember our friend in Brisbane where he had to wear a dress every Tuesday? Oh, right. Yeah. That was the, was the guy who worked in the hostel, I think. Yeah. yeah. As one of the bartenders. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> it's compulsory for them to wear dresses. Yeah. Poor fuck. But, uh, I wonder if that was in the contract where he had to sign. Probably. <laughs> but uh, if you put a dress on, because what they had was they had about ten or fifteen dresses behind the bar, and if you if you put one on for the night in this bar, they'd give you discount off the drinks all night. <laughs> I think there's some kind of picture out there with me wearing about three different types of dresses. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> I didn't wear them well, but you know it got me cheap booze. So I was happy to uh, no take one, one for the team. No one wore those dresses well. <laughs> <laughs> I don't even think the charity shops wanted them, did they? <laughs> <laughs> oh man, yeah. So, but like, I um, we we started out at this hostel called Wake Up Hostel, yeah, in Sydney, yeah, yeah. like right off the off the uh, central station. Every every morning they had these this PA system. Wake up, wake up, wake up! Like. <laughs> <laughs> I remember that man. We were just in your bunk, hungover. It's like wake up, wake up, wake up. Oh yeah, it was morning. early as well. It was like eight thirty or something. Yeah. yeah, yeah. They let you know early on. Yeah, 
And I knew what they were doing because it was also on, on like Friday and Saturday or Sunday. They oh, yeah, yeah. Stuff love to uh, play a prank on the backpackers. <laughs> oh, definitely. Yeah. And then, uh, yeah, it was the first week because on the... Uh, it was a super did, yeah. nice hostel compared to, to some of the other ones, man. It was yeah, clean. It was, it was, um, yeah, it was, was it good. $40 a night? It was not cheap. Yeah, it's, uh, expensive for a hostel, yeah. Yeah, Australian dollars. So that's, I guess, 25 US dollars and 20 pounds, I guess. Well, probably more now with the with the sterling right. chances. Probably about what, like thirty quid or something. But right. yeah. <laughs> but then, the, the, the after we stayed in Sydney for a week. By the way, Sydney is such a beautiful, awesome city, man. It's like you got Darling Harbour, and it's just so clean. And you got the you got the Opera House and the whole yeah, area the botanical gardens. There. Yeah, there's there's so much of it that you can see for free. And if if you love outdoors and you, you like running, you can go all along the coastal paths. And yeah, even if you don't, you just want to go to restaurants and bars. It's, there's just so much to yeah, do. Yeah, there's so much to do. I mean, we were there for well, I was there anyway for a combined time of about three four weeks. Yeah, yeah. And I probably didn't even see half of what I wanted to. No. No, it was uh, yeah, just a beautiful, super clean city. You know, yeah. it was I was impressed by how neat it was everywhere. There was yeah. just no no gum and no graffiti and you know yeah, real melting pot as well. Like Paddy's Market for the uh, for all the different vegetables and fruits, such as dragon fruit that you can get down right, there. Right, and right, right. Yeah, really cheap as well. Yeah, so many different influences from everywhere. So I mean, if you if you want to ever go there and and see somewhere that's hustling and bustling with loads of different types of food you might not have tried before, then that's, that's a pretty good place to start in Sydney. It's a cool city, yeah. for sure. And I also like how I think all the public transport within like the very center of the city was all free. Just hop on, hop off. You didn't even have to present a ticket or something. You could just do whatever. And Yeah, I think I, so, yeah. I thought that was smart, you know. Yeah, just, uh, and even if you go to... Parramatta or or you go to the Blue Mountains which is about an hour and hour and a half outside on the train I never got to do that man I still regret that because apparently that's also a gorgeous place it is yeah completely different to the to the city and the coastline around it it's it really is rural as soon as you hit that second train line out from there it's uh it's definitely a complete different world to uh downtown Sydney that is for sure yeah but then, after our first week, we we went to this uh, place called Seven Mile Beach. Yeah, and it was it's uh, I think two hours south of Sydney, about something like that, by bus, by cars, probably probably less. And we uh, did a surfing boot camp there. Yeah, surf camp, bro. Yes, <laughs> surf camp, bro. <laughs> Show them shackles, mate. <laughs> Shake his hand, mate. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. That's the that's the surfing gang sign i guess like you yeah you, put, you extend you, your pinky and your thumb finger, yeah, yeah. yeah the shack is mine yeah and, uh, every wave were it was two feet or two meters which is probably overestimating how good we were for a week's <laughs> <surfing>. <laughs> man yeah. as I long got, as you could stand the shack was out <laughs> <laughs> i got my ass kicked a couple of times man when i fell off that board in the middle of one of those waves man that's just <laughs> <laughs> yeah they have something called the green waves which um you know, the first, I mean, I've never surfed before in my entire life, but I at least wanted to give it a go. And uh, the aim is by the end of the week or how long you're there for is is to have a go at one of the green waves, which is basically one of the first waves breaking. Yeah. Um, and it's, it it's green because it's just like a pure wall of water. You yeah. Know? It, it's there's like no a wash, proper nothing. wave. Yeah. yeah. 
So you gotta you gotta get in the rip, as they describe, or or paddle and go under the waves to to get out of the break. Yeah, and then ride one of those in. But I mean, even on a nice day, they're like three meters high, five meters high. Yeah, they're huge f- for a novice that's just <laughs> yeah. trying to balance and stand up and going head first. It's like falling off a brick wall. Yeah, yeah, we're good fun. Yeah, that's uh, so yeah, three yeah, two two to five meters. That's uh, let's see, that's uh, six to. Um, yeah, I think I one, my one, metrics of that kind of thing is terrible. I can tell you. Yeah, I think like uh, well, you do the math. It's like one meter is three feet. Like I, I don't know why I can do that right now, but <laughs> probably because fifteen we, feet then. Yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. Probably because we had a pretty late night yesterday. But anyway, it was it was yeah, it was serious waves for for complete beginners. <laughs> oh yeah, yeah. And uh, at the start of the week, basically there was um like a caravan site that we stayed in, and then. Yeah where we particularly stay, there was loads of different chalets around and you kind of shared in the groups that you'd be going out in the surf with. And uh, there was one bottle shop that was uh, well, a good two kilometers away, wasn't it? Yeah. And uh, we bought about, what, 60, 60 beers, something like that? Yeah, for the entire group. For the entire group, yeah. Which and, uh, which was more than $100. Yeah, so it was, like a- yeah, $100, it was expensive. Yeah. And... Uh, we were all walking back and uh, I, uh, I was struggling with the crate a little bit. So I uh, decided to put it up on my shoulder. And uh, as I was going down the hill, I've slipped with my uh, flip-flops that I had on. And the uh, crate, to my uh, disappointment, goes straight over the shoulder, straight down, <laughs> hits the ground. And you know when you see that fizz, like the life just drains from you. You're like, oh God, that's someone else's beer as well. Like, you know you're in the shit. So uh, yeah, we lost eight beers that day. That's probably one of the saddest moments in Australia for me. Yeah, which but, is uh, which is pretty good if that's one of the saddest moments. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's a good year if that's one of the worst moments. But yeah, beer, barbecues, surfing. Yeah. I think that's probably one of the best weeks of my life. To be honest, same man, same. They <clears throat> that that whole year there was just amazing. It was was just yeah. But but that first week was just awesome. Yeah, we, we were just all. Everyone was staying in these, um, yeah, these cabins with with a bunch of bunk beds, and uh, we'd wake up at eight, I guess. Something yeah, like that. I, well, it's like eight o'clock first surf, so we were up for like seven, weren't we? Yeah, get seven. changed into the wetsuits, and, and then have a you know have a light breakfast. Yeah, surf for uh, for two hours. Yeah, and only five bacon sandwiches. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then then a, like a nice lunch, you know, and then the second surf session. Which is another two hours, and by then you're just physically uh, tired, you know. Oh yeah, it's yeah. it's heavy, man. Like the paddling, ill. My oh, yeah. arms were burning, and like at the end of the week, everyone was was fit, you know. Was, yeah, uh, was, I think everybody had had enough. It was about the right amount of time to have a break from it if you were not used to doing it. But I always thought they use the legs when they're on the boards. What's that? I thought, you know, when they're on the boards on the surfboard, I thought they paddled with the arms, but they kick with the legs. Yeah, but they don't, do they? It's all upper it's body. It's all paddling. Yeah, it's all upper body with the arms. Like it's a proper yeah. tricep workout. It is. Yeah, it's uh, it's way more. It's way heavier than. You. Yeah, and then if you if you're beyond the break and you want to uh, pedal into a wave, you got to give it everything you got. Otherwise, you're not fast enough. Oh yeah, then. and the old chicken wing technique. Which <laughs> I'll, I'll let you explain the chicken wing technique. Let's see. Was that when you roll under your board, or yeah, yeah? yeah, yeah. yeah so yeah. you uh, you look behind you, you time it. Yeah. Then uh, you do five grabs at the water. You bring your whichever your dominant oh, foot right, is yeah. up to your uh, your inside of your knee, and then uh, 
forms a chicken wing. Yeah, that's right. And you bring your arms up into like a press-up position and then you kind of spring forward from there. Yeah. And it's about, what, 100 misattempts and then the first <laughs> time you get it, it's like the best thing you've ever done. Yeah, yeah. And when, once you're standing on that board, you feel the waves just pushing you and you feel the wind, you know, and you, you yeah. pick up some speed. and Yeah, straight into a group of people where you haven't learned to stand yet. <laughs> chaos <laughs> but it's yeah it's it's so understandable why it's so addictive and why people turn it into an entire lifestyle you know like it's it's just you're you're out in the open you're in the water it's and it's beautiful and, and you're just you know you you, you enjoy the view and uh, oh it's, it's being at one with nature isn't it you completely separate yourself from all those other worries in life it's you the water the board that's it yeah and there's there's no room or, or time to think about other things no there's no care to think about anything else when you've got a wave heading straight for your face. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's almost like meditating, man. I you know, I I miss it still. I I wish uh, every now and then I wish like damn, I wish I could surf somewhere here, man. <laughs> yeah. Well, you should campaign for the wave machine in Rotterdam. That's true. <laughs> there you go. There's your next port of call. That's a good one. That's a good one. If uh, yeah, if anyone uh, in the city council listened to this, uh Please, uh, please get on with that plan. It was a good idea. <laughs> but um, I don't think we should go past that story without mentioning what you saw in the water one time when we were out. <laughs> I won't let you get away with it. Well, We were, um, it was near the end of the week and we'd got to a point where we could go past the surf and we were confident enough that we'd at least be able to get back in. And uh, we were all there just laying on the boards, just recovering. And uh, you saw, what did you see in the water? Well, <clears throat> I, uh, you know, I, I, I went through this wave and um, then I was very sure that I saw, saw a shark fin in, in the wave that, that kind of went past me. And I just, um, I just sprinted out of the water in panic and uh, our friend Matt saw me coming out of the water and, and like, uh, the way he described described it to me it was like yeah i saw genuine fear in your face like i saw I, like i saw fear in your eyes you weren't you were not fucking around <laughs> and you know as i went up to one of the instructors i was like well i'm, I'm i saw a shark i think i saw a shark and the guy was like ah oh, mate what are you talking about there ain't no sharks over here right so, yeah just don't worry about it mate just said uh, no no one ever got got attacked by sharks in the last uh last 30 years and then, you know, I was like, oh, you know, all right. Just went went back into the water and um, went surfing again. A little bit uneasy, but, you know, after a couple of minutes, uh, you just was like, all right, well, whatever. Nothing's probably going to happen. And nothing did happen. But, uh, but yeah, I, I remember when, when you learned about that story on the way back, uh, you weren't very happy with me. <laughs> no, well, well, there's two things. One, that you didn't tell anybody else. You just let us get on with it. As well, if did, we were kind of like cannon fodder before you know you went back in just to check that you know it's okay no one else has yeah, lost I, an ankle I went, I went back in right away okay. yeah I'm not so sure about that no <laughs> <laughs> and then uh, when we were on the coach on the way back we were we were just looking at news from the area and, no uh, it was it was first when I was was on the bus I was talking to the bus driver I was like well you know I, I, I thought I saw the shark but but the surfing instructor told me that there's no sharks here and he was like, mate, what the fuck are you listening to a surfing instructor for? Of course there's sharks over there, you crazy can. And, uh, <laughs> and then we, uh, yeah, we, we we found some article on Google. Yeah, someone that, had uh, been killed the previous year. <laughs> so thanks for that. 
<laughs> and then we saw that we found this map. I think. Oh, I'll st- let's see. I'm I'm gonna look that thing up right now. We found this map. I'll put this on the website too. So if you uh, if you check the show notes for for this show, you'll you'll see a picture of it. Let's see if I can find it. Yeah, it was uh, it was a breeding ground, wasn't it? <laughs> <laughs> so it's <laughs> more than just the one. Let's see. Yeah, here we go. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> like you see the different sharks, different shark types, and you see these, you see these, um, you see these circles that indicate how many attacks or or incidents there there have been, and you know, right at the beach where we are, there's there's this circle. Yeah, I'm looking at the scale of the sharks, and as it goes down, the number of in teeth just increases, shark <laughs> by shark. <laughs> And this circle is is yeah. like literally five times bigger than any other area. So yeah, we we were in in shark in the shark zone there, but um, yeah, we survived, so we can uh, we can laugh about it now. Yeah, exactly. That's, uh, <laughs> but yeah, man, that's uh, that's also kind of the Aussie attitude, you know, like th- like those yeah. instructors there, yeah. they're in the water there all the time, and I'm sure they're aware of what's going on there. Be right, mate. It'll yeah. be right, mate. Yeah, they don't. They don't care. Yeah, so laid back. Yeah. Well, if if everything there wants to kill you, then then I guess you can either just get turned into a nervous wreck or just be very chilled out about it. You know? <laughs> but yeah, and then from there we went up to um, Barrington Tops, wasn't it? The next place to the wineries up there. Yeah, yeah. Was this um, was this lovely um, mountain? Uh, was was a, basically a hostel with a with a pool overlooking this valley. Yeah, it was it was in the middle of nowhere. You could see the stars at night. You could see the you could see the entire cosmos. You know. It was, yeah, it was. Uh, I mean, it's one of the best night skies I've ever seen. It was really really impressive. And while we were there, the the activity because most of the places where you go, they either prepare the food and try and keep you preoccupied in the meantime. And while we were there, we went tubing on the river, didn't we? Yeah. And. Uh, we uh we went in and uh, one of our friends uh, decided that he was going to go in first and uh, he had a half deflated dinghy. <laughs> so when he sat in the thing, one he was too big for it. <laughs> and two, it looked like he was levitating on the water because you couldn't see the dinghy at all. Yeah, his feather sunk sunk halfway into. <laughs> yeah, and it was cold too. Yeah, it was funny. And then there's the um the uh, spider behind the dartboard. Oh, yeah. There was this huge... Yeah, the huntsman spider, yeah. Yeah. That's the first time I ever saw it in Australia. Those things are freakishly big. They look like they're from another planet. Yeah. <coughs> we, were, uh, we were playing darts, weren't we? And it came out from behind the board. <laughs> and then you'd think, ah, oh, it's just going to go back behind it. No, it came fully out, didn't it? And went all the way along the top of the bar, <laughs> yeah. right where the tables were and everybody was seated. So... <laughs> That was a huge welcome to Australia moment for yeah. a lot of people. And those huntsman spiders, I think, I think those are the ones they they. Um, someone told me this very disturbing story. Like, what what they do is they when they sting you, it it doesn't hurt. It just paralyzes you. But what they do, what what can happen, and what has happened is, if you're you're just um, you're just sleeping, and one of those things crawls on your hand, and they sting you in your hand, and then. Um, you know your your hands paralyzed and you're asleep, and then then the spider just gnaws your finger off 
while you're asleep and you wake up the next day and you're missing a finger because a spider just just nodded off. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I think the, the worst story I heard was um, when I was uh, melon picking of all things in Queensland and uh, we turned up and uh, but we we need we need yeah. to we need to to that that should be a story that that's told from the beginning because it's a great oh, yeah, story. Yeah, yeah, yeah. because we'll we get on to that. Well, let's. Well, we can move forward from here because eventually we, um, you know, after pairing tops, we went. We went up to Brisbane, which is another great city. Yeah, just I liked it better than Sydney. It was a little bit smaller. It was a little bit calmer. Um, yeah, it was a real outdoor city. Yeah, um, I think if you're a backpacker, there's there's not as many things to do. Yeah, but in terms of livability, it's it's fantastic. It's I don't think it's a bad place at all to be based. To be honest, I'm quite lucky to be there. Yeah. Yeah, that's the kind of place where I could live, you know. I could see myself settling down there. Not that it's going to happen because it's on the other side of the planet, but, <laughs> but I was like, you never well, know. You never know. You know, that's a place where I could uh, settle down. Just everything's there. It's just beautiful. Yeah. But we were in this hostel. What was it called again? Um, is it Wake Up? Or was it? No, that was Sydney. Basement? I, I think it was Base. Base, yeah. Yeah, yeah. yeah. And um, we were looking for work there. And uh, there was this one little office or like was a desk with a guy who who was who found farm work for backpackers. <laughs> <laughs> and, and farm work, if the, the reason why people want to do farm work is if you do it for three months, you can extend your visa with another year. So if you want to stay two years in Australia, you got to work at least three months on a farm. And... Um, yeah, you you and Matt were lucky enough to uh, to to land a job at a land at yeah, a, a, a melon farm. Yeah, lucky's one way of describing it. So um, this really eccentric guy that used to be in the RAF, but um, had retired over in Brisbane, uh, decided in his retirement years he'd, he'd still work a bit, and he was doing these uh, job positions. So we got to the point where you know we were going to the state library every day using the free Wi-Fi. We were running out of money. Running out of money, doing the same walk that's free. Yeah. Going to the Anzac Square and everywhere else. And it got to the point where we we're like, actually, we're quite desperate now. So um, Eating shitty cheap food, like the like the $3 pizzas. That's yeah. in, in the $3 pizza, the cheapest of cheap noodles that I'm not quite sure were noodles. Yeah. And then... Uh, probably dog and cat in there. Yeah. yeah. So we, um, we uh, found a position in this town called Chinchilla, um, which was about six hours inland from Brisbane in Queensland. Uh, so we gave it the big, oh, see you later. This huge kind of like, we'll see you in a few months. It's all going to go well. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, it's going to be awesome. It's going to be a different experience. Never done anything like this before. So you signed up with this guy? and uh, So we signed up with this guy. We got the coach there. How, how, t- tell me how that day looked like. What did, what did that day look like? You woke up in the morning in, at the hostel? Yeah, well, we knew the night before. So um, we knew the afternoon before. So like, right, yeah, there's two places for two guys. And then they went into the usual rhetoric of, yeah, you work hard and it's a long hours. It's, it's harder than you think, but um, it's really rewarding. And we're like, well, we're ready to do some hard work. Let's give it a go. So um, we arrived there late in the evening and uh, the farm manager who looks after where you stay um, had come and sent someone down to pick us up. So this, this old people carrier pulls up 
next to the McDonald's where the bus had dropped us off. Wine bottles are falling out of the car. <laughs> and you're like, well, there's no one else around. That must be for us. <laughs> <laughs> and uh, it started very well. We had a, a free Domino's pizza. What was the town like? Quiet. Yeah. It had um, How many people live there? A few thousand, I think. Oh, okay. So, yeah. So it wasn't tiny, but it wasn't, you know. It wasn't big. It wasn't big at all. It had a McDonald's. It had one pub. One there's, police there's station. McDonald's everywhere, man. I know, but <laughs> even somewhere as remote as that, you probably wouldn't think it. But um, and then it had a, a barber shop and a, a food shop, and that was pretty much it. It was kind of like a, a go-between place, really, like a stop-off um, gas station. Yeah. So we um, we arrived at this. Um, I don't know how to describe it, like an abandoned holiday park, <laughs> and we uh got shown to where we were and it was this very old caravan that was held together the door tied with rope the uh, the latch had completely gone and we looked inside and, and basically the, the caravan was gutted there was no curtains on there just the bedding and the mattress that's it and a fridge that looked like it had stuff that's been in there for a while that rotted and they just cleared it out the day before <laughs> so um yeah I, we first checked under the beds because where it was, we were we were hoping we found nothing, and we didn't find anything. But the first night, I um, I woke up in the middle of the night, and I uh, felt this pinch on my chest. So I go to hit whatever's on my chest instinctively, and I turned the light on, and there's about seven mosquitoes on my chest, <laughs> and blood was everywhere. It, it poured all over my oh, my chest area. Because <laughs> so, eating alive. <laughs> yeah, literally. Yeah, and then uh, the next morning. Uh, you wake up quite early. You wake up about four thirty, five o'clock. Um, you go and have your breakfast. Um, so we walked into this um, like bar area, and uh, there's dead rat on the floor. There's a spider on the wall that was the size of a dinner plate with about two thousand flies in its web. Oh, but as long as I could see it, I was happy it was there and not next to me. <laughs> and uh, we got to try on the boots. Now, there's different kind of funnel web spiders, huntsman spiders, redback spiders, loads of different types, and snakes as well. And they're so all poisonous. All poisonous, yeah. So we weren't really close enough anywhere to get instant help. So it could have oh, been, man. you know, one of those crunch moments. But um, So we were looking at these wellies, and some of them were full, absolutely full of spider webs. So we were banging them, we poured water into them, <laughs> making sure that there's absolutely nothing in there before trying them on. And once we found the right size, we were given some gloves, pair of pliers, like some, to snip the melons off of the, the stalk. And then we were given four liters of water and get on the bus. And then it was half an hour to this field. So the sun was rising and we were coming in and there was just one ute waiting for us there. And I'm like, where, what are we doing? Like, I don't actually know what we're doing yet. And we all we all get off and we leave everything else on this on this bus. And you you just pick up truck by the way for for the yeah non yeah. non Australians. <laughs> and uh, we turn around and this tractor comes out of nowhere with conveyor belts either side. And I'm like, oh, that's that's helpful. Uh, it must be you know picking it up from the ground and then we're picking up the loose bits. But that that wasn't the case. What we had to do was we had to walk the length of the field. So everybody got a picking row. And you have to walk the field, which is about an hour. It's um, big. So yeah, this is a big field and it's 35, 38 degrees Celsius, sunny. 
you know you're not used to being in the outdoors it's more in the, than 100 in the, degrees Fahrenheit yeah in the, in the height of in the height of midday sun it's and the Australian sun is brutal yeah like it it does they they have no ozone layer I yeah think. the ozone layer is thinner down there so it's it's and, the, yeah. the UV comes through stronger yeah yeah you you burn within five minutes yeah like when you feel the sun in your skin you just feel it just like yeah it's too late if you feel it it's yeah. already got you yeah and um, <laughs> so we were each given a row I've seen some, and then I've seen some people with some horrible, horrible sunburns there too, man. Yeah, really oh yeah, just, yeah, but yeah. But um, yeah. So um, we were told that we had to pick melons of a certain size, a certain color, or if it had a separation crack, which is basically a split at the top near the stem. If it had one of those, take it anyway. So the tractor set off. And I was thinking at the start, it's going to go about ten meters, then stop and wait for us. But it didn't. It just kept going. And you had to keep up with this conveyor belt. So you're, you're bending down almost to your hands and knees to move the reeds out of the way to find the melons. And whilst you're doing that, there's crickets, small spiders. There was snakes as well in that field that we came across as well. <laughs> to snip the melon, to put it on the conveyor belt. And you had to walk the field for an hour. And by the time you got to the end of the field, you could take your flask of water off of the back you had 30 seconds to have a drink of water before you went back in the opposite direction for another hour, nonstop. <laughs> so there's a guy from That's the hostel. Slave was, labor, man. Uh, yeah, yeah. So we, um, the guy uh, that was staying in the hostel before we got there, um, he was he was picking in the same team as us and it got to about 11.30 in the morning and uh, I, I looked to my left over my shoulder and all of a sudden he's not there. And I just see him in the field and he's just sat slumped over like he's got heat stroke, sunstroke. Yeah. And he was almost going to pass out. It's <laughs> so, dangerous. Yeah. So we propped him up against this um, like crate, this huge crate that, that keeps all the, the melons in. And uh, he had to be put back on the bus, but that was it. No treatment. Just go and sit on the bus, which was hot anyway, uh, until everybody had finished later on in the day. Oh, dude. So it was brutal. But there's two Scottish guys. So you had a line of pickers and then you had spotters behind, which basically if someone was falling behind because they had a lot of pickable melons in one patch, yeah, they'd jump into that row to help out. These guys had been doing that for three months. So they did it three weeks past how many days they had to to get the second year visa. Wow. And Those guys are tough, man. Tough, yeah. And uh, we were speaking to them in the field and they were on about going up to Atherton, which is slightly higher up to... Uh, to do some sugar cane picking at which point I thought well they've gone delirious since they've been here they've completely lost their mind <laughs> um, speaking of losing their minds a little bit they um, they went to the town once every two weeks so they didn't really get out that often Yeah. and uh, when they did it was normally a beer run or looking after themselves and uh, what happened was one day they went down to the pub and you'd think, oh, you have a lot of savings, you know. You're getting paid roughly $21 an hour, which is a fair amount. It's pretty good. And uh, you're doing that for roughly, you know, 10 weeks, 12 weeks. You know, you'd, you'd expect to have something at the end of it, especially in the middle of nowhere. Well, these guys went to the local pub on every two weeks and they spent $300 each. <laughs> and on two separate occasions, one guy, this Italian guy was weeing in the street. And over there, the the police force don't get direct funding from the government, as far as I'm aware. So the majority of the money that keeps the force running is through fines. 
So the, the police chased him, arrested him and fined him for it. And then on separate occasion, uh, they were in the McDonald's and there was an argument going on in the McDonald's. And one of the guys was trying to calm down the situation. Uh, so he shoved one of the other blokes outside. The other bloke went, no, no, I'm not having this. Went back inside. As he went back inside, he tripped up and stumbled on the police officer, grabbing the officer's hand as he went down, which was assaulting a police officer. Right. So he got an $800 fine and was almost thrown in jail for it. But they managed to talk. Uh, the farmer was talked them out of it just. But yeah, so these guys were, were broke <laughs> and working in a field. So basically just get fined again. So I was, um, I was walking oh, one day man. and that's awful. I, I looked, I looked around and there's this Italian guy there and he's, he's reached the point where he just, he couldn't care less anymore. Lost his mind. He'd lost his mind. You could see he wasn't all there as he was walking the field and, uh, he just walk. He couldn't even be bothered to bend down. He didn't even, <laughs> make, he didn't even pretend he was picking. He, he was done. <laughs> and, uh, this was the third day <laughs> and I, I kind of had enough by that point as well. I mean, the, there's other people that went there and left within the first hour. Right. And I was told that there's only a, a week's more work left and it got to the end of the day and they went, oh, who's in lane number seven? And I was like, I'm pretty close to that number. And he was like, oh, it's the, it's the bloke in the green shirt. And I, I looked at myself I'm like, oh, I've got a green shirt on. <laughs> Shit. So um, I was called over by the guy that was on the back of the truck who basically checks the melons as they're put on and the farmhand and the two guys that spot behind. And they went, you've missed seven melons at the end of the row. We'd normally sack you for that. At which point I was thinking, well, I picked thousands of melons. You're going to sack me for missing seven. <laughs> So the mass didn't add up to me, but hey, it was an avenue of an out for me. And uh, it completely embarrassed me. Everybody else was on the bus looking on. The other two spots, the Scottish blokes were like, well, this is bullshit. <laughs> and uh, and then the, the bloke piped up and went, well, I can see you're really hard working. You're in the front row yesterday. And uh, I could see that you were, you, you were putting a lot of effort into it. So I'm willing to give you another chance. And I got back on the bus. One, embarrassed. Two, angry. And then I turned uh, to my friend that I went there with and he was like, let's go, we're done. So <laughs> I remember you also told me a story about, about a French guy who, who, who was like almost talking delirious. Like, oh, fuck the melons. I hate the melons. Oh yeah, and yeah. He, uh, he started stabbing the melons. <laughs> uh, I don't know if you saw the farmer's face on the melons, but he was, he was stabbing every other melon within rows. <laughs> yeah, he was damaging the produce. I mean, I mean, I'm, I, think I, I think I may have spoilt maybe one or two melons out of sheer frustration out of sheer frustration yeah but he was just doing it for the gag like he was he was fully versed in it <laughs> but uh, the same chap um <laughs> when i got talking to him a little bit he uh, he got bit on the face at the accommodation by uh, a redback spider oh man which are which are quite super poisonous, poisonous yeah. yeah what happened was he was in a bricked building so i was like well it's better than our shabby caravan that they've stuck us in and uh it was a nice bed, raised off the floor, you know, plenty of space around, away from windows. There's nothing hanging down that could, you know, get you, if you want to phrase it like that. And what happened was he was asleep in the night and it turned over. And unfortunately, 
he's turned over in the wrong direction for himself. And as he's turned over, his face has made contact with the spider and the spider's bit him under the eyelid. Oh, man. So he's woke up and half of his face is swollen. And I'm like, tennis ball swollen. Yeah. Like his eye socket's fully out. Man. Like Mike Tyson smashed him in the face. <laughs> so, yeah, he had to go to hospital for emergency. Yeah, um, yeah red duck spiders are dangerous, man. Check up, yeah. 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 So, um, that's, yeah. It's that's uh, horrible. It's, um, it's an experience that's memorable. But um, the three days there, I thought, was my end of my fruit picking days. But um, later on, when I was um, in but, Adelaide. But I remember mm. that, that you had to pay your own bus fare, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Which so actually, it, what, of, it worked uh, out that by the time we'd left, we'd made no money. <laughs> <laughs> Back to square one, yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, man. But I managed to get some savings from home that I'd, I'd saved up. So I was able to carry on to Cairns and go to the Whitsundays Islands and, and Great Barrier Reef, which were amazing places and unforgettable memories. But yeah, that was the one of the the things that stuck out on the East Coast for me was that melon picking experience. And the, the worst thing of all was walking back into the hostel three days later after saying see you in a few months. And it was actually a few days. Yeah, I remember when, like that last night, you guys were going. We were like hugging each other, like, "Oh man, it was great." But we're gonna, we're gonna miss each other, man. And uh, yeah, I'll see you in a couple of months. And then we, we finally come back. We're gonna have a party. But then three oh, days yeah, later, yeah. the full pep talk, yeah, yeah, everything, yeah, yeah. <laughs> oh man, yeah, embarrassing. Tell, tell, tell me some other funny stuff you saw there. Did you meet some locals? Did you talk to some crazy local characters? Oh yeah, there's. Um, I remember you telling me about. Uh, the owner of the place sitting in his air-conditioned pickup truck and they had radios and he was just kind of looking at, at the melon pickers with his binoculars and yeah, well, radioing. Yeah. <laughs> well, the, the, the thing that happened there was um, basically one backpacker had spoiled it for all the rest of us because what had happened was a couple of years before they um, there was one backpacker that went there for, for the second year visa and ended up having an affair with a farmer's wife. <laughs> so um, He's lucky he didn't get killed. Yeah, so yeah. the wife left and with the kids as well. So they all left with this backpacker to start a new life together. Holy shit. So you can imagine the kind of hostility <laughs> that it had towards any backpacker in the future, which unfortunately was people like us, but we were, <laughs> we were a full European team and we were the very last European team that they had. Um, they had uh, Asian workers that they brought in because rightly or wrongly, they, they paid them half the price. <laughs> but physically, they were slightly smaller, so it wasn't as much joint pains and stuff like that. But right. on the grand scheme of things, everybody should be paid equally. But yeah. they, these farmers were paying them half what they were compared to us European guys oh, <laughs> to um, to do the labor. But yeah, that, that one um, well, I mean, particular experience kind of ruined it for everybody else. <laughs> I mean... The Chinese, they're, they're used to working in all kinds of horrible conditions, you know, the factories over there where they make the iPhones, they have nets hanging on the side of the buildings. Oh, to, yeah, yeah, to prevent the suicide jumpers, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, yeah so, I mean, I guess the farmer figured, well, you know, we can pay them a little less, they'll be, they'll be fine. <laughs> yeah, you'd, uh, you'd think that would have stopped, but no, it's, um, it's a real exploitation, actually. And yeah. if, if you look at news stories, not just... European backpackers but people from from elsewhere and Australians as well that do yeah. that kind of work for money being exploited just and people who are having a rough the time the kind of things that yeah. 
I mean, you see like Wolf Creek and series like that. I mean, like people go missing in the outback and they don't yeah. get found. No. Case closed if they can't find them after a year or so. I mean, yeah. some of those towns you pass through, um, Loxton, for example, where in uh, South Australia, about four hours outside Adelaide where I did orange picking, like it was a complete inbred community. Really? And like, we were told that when we got there. And uh, yeah, so like intergenerations, like cousins and cousins just <laughs> just hooked up. It's pretty creepy, man. Yeah, so it had uh, an interesting community there. But yeah, the, the backpackers were the only kind of people that weren't within their gene pool that kind of was in the town. <laughs> oh my God. It's, um, yeah, the orange picking down there was slightly uh, different, but just as brutal. So you... Um, yeah, so so you went to to Adelaide at, after that. Yeah, so well, we we um we went up the coast from Brisbane after that experience yeah, to finish north, off north the Cairns off the the tour package. Yeah, so went up to Cairns and did Airlie Beach and. Tell me about Cairns. Now. What kind Paradise. of place is that? Yeah, it's it's a small town, but it's significant on the east coast because even though it's small for for the Aussies, it's the last point of significance before you go into Port Douglas and, and higher up where there literally is nothing you nothing at all jungle and crocodiles yeah you're a lot to yourself up there yeah um, but it's it's a bit of a party town and then it's also a place where you know different environmental scientists go and, and marine biologists to, to study the the outer reefs and the coral reefs which most of them are protected anyway when you go scuba diving or snorkeling you only are allowed on the outer reefs you can't actually go on the inner reef because of the protection that it has right. um, oh that's a good thing yeah exactly so it's a really good thing but um, yeah there's there's a few different bars that you can go to we went to a trampolining park just to mix it up a bit because we didn't <laughs> want to just drink all the time we wanted to do something different and uh we went on um there's a few trails there's some good hiking trails out of cairns as well so you you can go straight up into the mountains and there's there's a few different trails where they last three hours seven hours some like 15 hours but for the for the time we had it was myself and a few of the other guys on, on the trip that decided to do a few of the walks, which are quite challenging, but, you know, if, you, if you're reasonably fit, they're, they're definitely doable. But, I mean, you think of a walking or a hiking trail where there's an actual footpath to follow. Yeah. I mean, in these places, it was a dirt trail and then it would pass under some kind of waterfall or some kind of creek and you'd lose the path. Right. And then you got to find the tree with the marker on again. So it's, oh, yeah, they're you not straightforward walks. Man. Yeah. Yeah. The people have died on those routes. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> but we were aware of that before we went. Um, but yeah, there's, there's some great lookouts, some great views from there. Um, but yeah, Cairns in general, it's a nice place for myself. I think about five days to a week is, is about right. I, I wouldn't spend much longer there unless I had a car and I could access things that I didn't on the actual yeah. tour package we did. But we did a few day trips so to the Atherton's Tablelands. Yeah. I think you've been there yourself yeah, as well. Yeah, yeah. I rented a car for, for a day. So one of those places there, there's different ravines and, yeah, it's and, beautiful. and rivers. Yeah, it's a really nice place. It yeah. receives, I think, the highest amount of rain in, in Australia. It's, okay. It rains quite a lot it's there. super green. Really green, yeah. yeah. Uh, lots of flash flooding and other things as well that you've got to be careful of. But... Also, yeah, it's the, well, one of the waterfalls there is um, famous for the Peter Andre Mysterious Gill video. So um, I, I don't know what it you is. Don't, yeah, you might, it might not be big in the Netherlands, but uh, in, in the UK at least. Mysterious Gill uh, video? Yeah, yeah so it's, it's basically um, like this 
waterfall in the background to the music video but you can i think you've been there yourself to the waterfall and had yeah, pictures there that i've seen so there's three waterfalls in that area yeah, yeah so it's one of them but yeah you can swim around there and there's no bother at all it's it's nice yeah cold water but nice yeah um but yeah for a day trip it's, it's ideal cool and then yeah from there down to uh adelaide fuck yeah to i think the orange picket i think we should uh, leave that uh, for after dinner man yeah let's, uh, do that. let's have some chicken wings yeah <laughs> <laughs> yeah we worked up an appetite yeah dude you're right <laughs> what happened <laughs> you had your you had your elbow <laughs> what did you do I like that to sit down I just went back you elbowed into the wall yeah oh man alright let me let me feel your beard to ease the pain <laughs> Yeah, that's how alcoholism begins. <laughs> yep. Well, it's either physical pain or just uh, mental pain, man. <laughs> What if you're in both? <laughs> <laughs> man, I've worked with some. I've worked with some alcoholics in in the bar scene in Australia. Yeah. It's uh, it's easy to get get in into that habit that if you vicious uh, cycle. Yeah. I know. Well, cheers, man. Yeah. <laughs> it's alcoholism. Yeah. <laughs> oh god, that's good. Yeah, Guinness. So, yeah, I think we left it off on the uh <sighs> the orange farm. Orange yeah. farm, yeah. Yeah, that was a good meal, if I do say so myself, man. Chicken. Oh, that sauce. You'll have to let me know what was in that. Yeah, teriyaki hot sauce, chicken out of the oven. And it was good chicken too, man, from the from the butcher. <clears throat> I filled the gap anyway, didn't it? It's important to enjoy the good things in life, man. <laughs> exactly, exactly. All right, so you went to Adelaide. Were you still with uh, with the rest of the gang, or? Um, there's a few of us. So on the tour package that went up the east coast, they went to a certain part, and then uh, we all split off and went in different directions. Right. So know yourself. We went on to uh, Surfers Paradise and yeah, and Magnetic Island. But a few of us guys went down to um, Adelaide um, to do some orange picking. So we were looking while we were in Cairns for for different types of work, and I had a, a hit list of like working hostels all around the East Coast and some further down. <laughs> There's some interesting propositions that came back to us. One was to work in uh, a butchery. Oh shit! Uh, yeah, another one was to work in uh, a slaughterhouse. When so, I was in uh, when I was in in the service paradise, there was I, I looked at the probably the same job too, man. They yeah. they were looking for someone working on the killing floor of a slaughterhouse, <laughs> and, and there was this <clears throat> there was this Korean dude who who worked there, and he woke up screaming every night, and. <laughs> 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 yeah, that kind of thing sticks with you, I think. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, no thanks. <laughs> yeah, so I think it, some of them were quite, well, not nice, but were better. So they're like giving the little chickens inoculations and that kind of thing. Right. And then you had the other jobs where you were literally just killing animals all day. Yeah. So um, if you're an animal lover or yeah enjoy sustainability then it's not the job for you well you know like um, it's i don't have a problem with with animals getting slaughtered for food but at the same time i'm not sure if i 
if that's something I'd want to do all day, you know. <laughs> yeah, you're so removed, aren't you, from what the food you eat, then yeah. you don't see how it's prepared or how it's killed, then you'd, no, be, a, you'd be a hypocrite to say, you know, you don't like slaughtered food, but yeah. I mean, to, to do it day in, day out. Can you imagine spending spending your whole day just slaughtering animals? I mean, <laughs> sounds like a rough day, man. Like sometimes I complain about about my office job. But yeah, I mean, there's repetitive tasks and then there's repetitive killing tasks. <laughs> Two very different things. Yeah. <laughs> but um, yeah, so we went orange picking. So it was a... Where was this? town called Loxton, which is... Loxton. Is five hours inland from uh, Adelaide in South Australia. So um, it was a working hostel where one of the other guys um, was already there. I didn't realise until we turned up and he was in the reception area. He just happened to be there. just happened to be there. <laughs> Out of anywhere in Australia, he happened to be there, um, which was quite weird. Small um, world. Yeah, very small world, especially when you're bikepacking. You meet people at different yeah. places up and down the coast that you'd seen three months ago, five months ago. That's true. You keep running into the same people yeah. somehow. It's and you just uh, pick up the conversation as it left <laughs> off. <laughs> <laughs> Which is nice in a way. It's like a little community of its own. It's cool, yeah. Yeah. But um, so the, the job at hand there was to um, to go into these orchards and, and, and pick pick the oranges from the trees which I thought at first thought, oh, it's going to be, it's going to be way easier than melon farming. Anything after melon farming is going to be a walk in the park. I kind of um, didn't really give much thought to what we had to do, but when it actually came down to it, it wasn't that straightforward at all. So um, we were given picking bags, so like a, a little sack that you put on your front that you carry around with you and then you're given gloves and that's it. So your your job was to work in pairs and you go along these orange trees and the orange trees are like 15 feet high, 20 feet high, <laughs> really tall trees, unpruned as well. So you've got thorns in there, oh boy. all different kinds of things that can scratch you. Um, and you've got a 10 foot steel ladder that you have to carry around. So you have to carry the ladder around, put it in the tree. One of you goes in the bottom, then the other one goes on the top. And then every hour or so, you'd hear this like wailing noise as someone falls out of a tree. <laughs> you just see bushes and like trees like rustling away in the distance. And you're like, oh, fuck, oh, fuck off. <laughs> you, just, you just hear like people just shouting and screaming every like two hours or so. And you've fallen about three meters right onto the floor. Oh, man. So yeah, it was, yeah, it was tough. But um, there's, again, a few Australian people didn't have to do that kind of work, but just did it for for a, a source of income really and yeah. there was this one girl and she worked on her own and she did four crates a day on her own how, how much so is that? per crate it's roughly about 1200 oranges per crate holy shit yeah and and you've got it they're not all just there on the outside as well you've got to go right into the thick of it in and amongst the branches to pull every single one off you can't leave one behind but what was she like she had like this little grabber with her yeah, and she just raced up those trees. She was like five foot three. Super fit probably. Super fit. Weighed absolutely <laughs> nothing, but yet chain smoked cigarettes before she started. <laughs> and then she just flew up those trees like Tarzan. I mean, she was like lining up there and she'd have a, a sack full before you'd even put five in your wow. own. She was so quick. But yeah, I mean... <laughs> Between working in the pairs we did, we got three crates done per day on a good day. And it was $24 per crate, which is just above award wage. But because it's kind of like piecework, you only get paid what you pick. 
then between us both, it worked out at something like $4 an hour. Oof. <laughs> yeah. Which is, I don't know, in pounds, something like two pounds. Yeah. Two pounds an hour, if that. Like three dollars. Yeah. Three US dollars. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so, I mean, a day, we were making $24 in that's, a day. That's rough. And which in a normal job would give you that in an hour in Australia for most jobs. Did they actually, uh, did they pay for your stay at least? Did you no. have to pay for food? So you have to pay rent to this hostel as well. Oh, man. So you had to pay for your own food. You had to pay for your room rent as well. How, how much money did you take away from that? Um, actually, we spent money there. We didn't actually make anything in the end. <laughs> so we stayed for three weeks and some days you couldn't pick um, if there wasn't as many trees left on a certain farm and they were waiting for another one to open up or if it was really bad weather conditions, then, you know, you weren't going out, which meant we didn't earn money. You can imagine to a backpacker who doesn't have much money anyway, this situation can come quite stressful. But yeah, so <laughs> we actually left there probably losing about $60. Oh man. So, um, <laughs> and then the plot thickens. So there's, um, the, the guy that owned the place was quite an interesting character, let's say from South Africa. And, uh, it turned out he was a convicted rapist that owned the place. So <laughs> <laughs> you never truly know who you're working for. And some people had left when they'd left on the evening And they said, oh, we can't pay you money. We have to wait until the bank opens the next day. <laughs> How did so, you find out? Um, we found out because he had to attend court oh, for <laughs> sentencing. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, but in, in those oh, outback goodness. towns and in the middle of nowhere, you, you don't really know who anybody <laughs> is. I mean, there were some nights where, you know, we'd go for a drink in the one or two places where you could go and have a drink. Yeah. And then there'd be locals that are just staring particularly at the girls that have come from you know different european countries different areas of the world in a very creepy way in a very creepy manner as if to say you're not from around here and they'll just they'll make it so obvious they won't even blink or look away they'll just stare at them which led to a few scuffles with some people <laughs> so yeah really really backwards places some of them but then again you go somewhere else in the outback and everyone's lovely really welcoming yeah and then you get other places Just like anywhere else, really, where, you know, you go in there and you don't actually know who's there until you find out. <laughs> yeah, but there's no one there, you know, you can get away with a lot of shit. And, yeah, and, well, yeah. yeah, there's like one police car that does the patrol <laughs> was... and they probably grew up in the town. So, yeah, there are a lot to themselves sometimes, those kind of communities, but an interesting experience, at least. Yeah, that was, that was on Magnetic Island too, there was... Um, There was a police station there, and it was open from uh, Wednesday afternoon till Friday evening, I think. And uh, they had one police car, and um, you know they they would just cruise around, and and th there was the police force on that island, and uh, <laughs> <laughs> you know they they do um, if if there was something going on on one side of the island, you knew that that you weren't going to encounter them on the other side, so. There was a lot of drunk driving going on there. <laughs> <laughs> had a Wild West vibe to it in a way. Yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I bet it's even more in the outback. Yeah, I mean, I, I went on to different places that you went as well. So I went to um, Uluru, like some other oh, people wow. might call it Ayers Rock. And yeah, that's that's the big, big, huge the rock. The red center, yeah. In the middle of the and, country. Uh, in Kings the, Canyon and Catajuta and Is that, where's that? All, all within that area. So 
yeah. So yeah, Karajuda, like the the meeting point for some of the Aboriginal tribes, and even to this day, only only men of the tribes are allowed in certain areas. Mm. So in the twenty first century, if you're an Aboriginal growing up in in one of the old ancestry tribes, then as as a female of that tribe, you would not be allowed to go to that site at all. It's still sacred to today. Right. Just like on when we were on the East Coast um, and we did the uh, Outback funny, experience. It's funny how that's accepted, right? There's, yeah. There's, there seems to be uh, a double standard when it comes to men and female rights and, and all that, blah, blah, yeah, blah. Yeah. yeah. And um, when we are on the East Coast in Tully um, and we were having a, an Aboriginal guide through the forest there and he was saying that even now today when he drives to different areas of Australia and on the East Coast, he meets the, the head chief, so to speak, of the Aboriginal tribe of the ancestors' lands to ask for permission to pass through that territory. Right. So even even in in modern day Australia, it's um, it's still something that's quite visual. You can see it's yeah. happening still. You know, it's, it's still going on. So fascinating. Yeah, it's, it's it's a different world. It's a different society completely. Well, they're the original inhabitants. They've been there for like fifty thousand years. I think they're yeah. the oldest people uh, still alive today. Yeah. yeah. And then they, they moved around and coordinated themselves and where they wanted to go based on where the stars were. And, and that's yeah. how they tracked where they could find where they needed to go. So, yeah, it's and a fascinating their, place. Their, their art are also, is also uh, like maps of the place. And, yeah. Yeah. But, yeah, this, I mean, um, in, in the center there, there's, there's drawings and, and cave drawings and all sorts of passing on different teachings to younger generations of how to hunt where to find the best food when food's scarce or in certain seasons. So yeah, it's, it's really interesting. Yeah. Yeah, I definitely recommend going. And then, yeah, on the West Coast after that, so we left to go to the West Coast. We went to Perth to start with um, and then made you, out... You flew one, there? Flew, flew there, yeah. yeah. Uh, so it was in Perth for a couple of weeks, <clears throat> um, which has gone under a lot of development in recent years. When when were you there? Because I, I flew there in November 2016. Oh, um, wow. Before October time, just before that. Okay, because we we miss each other there. You we did, yeah, yeah. by a few weeks, yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed the place. Quite chilled, laid back. Yeah, beautiful coast. Yeah. Do you yeah. go to Margaret River and Margaret uh, River? Yeah, went a bit on there. Um, Rottnest Island. Yeah, I didn't. I wanted to go there, but yeah. I, I didn't have money. It's definitely anymore. worth it. Yeah. yeah. I mean, if you got the budget too, I mean, the ferry's reasonably priced in it. To yeah, cycle around it in the lighthouse. So much really to nice. do there. And, you know, I, I, I was, uh, after I was going to leave Perth, I was going to spend a month in, in Thailand and in Bali. So, yeah, I had to make choices, man. <laughs> <laughs> one last party before you come home, yeah? <laughs> yeah, one, one last party before I got married. Basically, I had a, had a month long bachelor party in fucking Thailand. Nice. Yeah, it was nice. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah, and then, um, Went from there up to uh, Monkey Mia, which is, is famous for its dolphins that they have there, which come in and they feed them on the beach. Um, and then they have a whole research station up there as well. Where That's they, cool. Where they monitor the population and do studies and that kind of thing. So, yeah, that was that was quite interesting. Cool. Um, but, yeah, again, middle of nowhere. So we would go for walks on the beach and we'd be two kilometers, three kilometers along and there's nothing. Yeah. And the water was so shallow, you could walk out two, three hundred meters, and you got stingrays and shovel-nose sharks passing <laughs> your feet, and you could just keep walking out. That's amazing. Yeah, it's 
wildlife's fantastic up there, yeah. Yeah, Australia is really one of those untouched places still, you know. Yeah, especially the West Coast. There's no <clears throat> yeah. train line at all that goes up there. So everything has to be done by car or or by long distance coach journeys. Yeah. And even even the roads are once you get away from from the city, it's just dirt roads yeah. and Well, where we stopped off, you have those road houses where it's basically like a shack or small wooden house in the middle of absolute nowhere kind <laughs> yeah. of like a, a stop off station kind of thing and then you take a smaller car from there down the dirt tracks and f to wherever you had to go so we went to the town of Denham first and then it was half an hour on from there to uh to Monkey Mere itself but yeah we were there for for a month working there hmm. doing uh hospitality work and housekeeping and volunteered on the dolphin research program so yeah it was yeah, it was a good time. So you were just cleaning hotel rooms and stuff. Yeah, I mean, there was one day where you know, I was changing the the bed sheets on on this like king size suite, and then I turn around, and then there's a pot of dolphins hunting fish in the shoals and the shallows. Whoa! And they chased the fish right up onto the beach, and one of the dolphins almost beached itself, oh, cutting this fish off from being able to get away. So, yeah, it's a, you don't normally see that working in a, a hotel somewhere else, but. It's um, surrounded by wildlife, so kangaroos and and different kinds of animals can just wander free around the area where guests stay. So in terms of being involved in nature and, and being able to go out and see different things, it's, uh, it's a really good place to do that. It's quite a famous place in Australia as well. So you've got the um, Adelaide River just outside Darwin to see the saltwater crocodiles. Oh, yeah. That's quite a big one on the list. And then... Along with that is also Monkey Mire for the, the wild dolphins. So they're quite two famous places for Australians as well to kind of tick off their to-do list. Right. Those saltwater crocodiles, man, they're, they're terrifying creatures. <laughs> yeah. Uh, well, there's a story that we heard when, uh, when we went on this boat trip. And uh, it was uh, these two Aussies that were having a few, a few drinks, uh, a few babies on the boat. and uh, As you do. As you do. And... Um, any pedestrians, like any like civilian boats can go up and down the river where there's apparently around 20,000 saltwater crocodiles. <laughs> um, and the water, you cannot see through the water. It's, it's really murky. Yeah. And um, one day, apparently, these two guys are on the boat. It's getting towards early evening time and having a few drinks too many. And, and one of the guys is like, oh, I dare you to swim to the shore, mate. <laughs> And this guy's like, yeah, oh, Lord, no. all right, I'll give it a good go. <laughs> and he jumps into the water and he swims all the way to the shoreline and actually makes it to the shoreline. At which point the bloke turns around and says, oh, I told you I'll do it, mate. And then his mate goes, all right, swim back then. So the guy, already on a high for making it to the riverbank, decides to go back to the boat just to prove his mate wrong. He's got... Dutch courage show to speak has yeah. had one drink too many and he jumps back in and starts swimming back and he gets five meters into the river again and this six meter saltwater crocodile <laughs> comes straight out of the bank takes him disappears never seen again so <laughs> fucking terrifying yeah it's uh, terrifying animals but I mean all around that northern region um, there's signs everywhere in, in, in 
creeks and different areas where you can, you know, go to cool off and jump in. Oh yeah. Be aware that there are maybe saltwater crocodiles at certain periods of the year. But also the beach. Uh, I, I went to uh, to up north to Cairns or yeah. near Cairns. It wasn't. It was. Damn, I forget the name of the place now. But it was one of the most northern beaches up there. Mm. But even during the evening, you're not supposed to go on the beach even because they'll just jump out the water and grab you. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mean, uh, when we were walking towards this boat, it was like a, an old wooden boat on Adelaide River, which is in Darwin, which does sound quite confusing. But that's, that's what they decided to, uh, that's what they called the river in yeah. Darwin. Um, because Adelaide is all the way in the south yeah exactly yeah. <laughs> like literally the opposite end of the country in terms of north and south yeah just geographically you got you got if you look at Australia uh, Adelaide is in the mi- in the middle at the bottom and Darwin is in the middle at the top yeah yeah, yeah exactly so um, yeah we were, we were walking along this small walkway onto the boat <laughs> and even on the walkway we were told don't put your your hands over the edge nothing no cameras nothing yeah no jokes because no, yeah, yeah. They, they will literally rise out of the water and take you <laughs> it's always a good start to sightseeing tour when you see that but yeah they, they took you on the river and it was like um, an old two decker wooden bus that they uh, bus boat sorry that they had on there and they, they said at the start you know if we see a crocodile don't all rush to one side because that will affect the balance of the boat and it will tip over. And at that point, it's every man for themselves. <laughs> <laughs> so we were like, right, okay. The boat will turn around and then they had like this um, meat that they put in the water to try and attract a crocodile if there is any. Oh my goodness, that, that uh, sounds like playing, that's like you're asking for all yeah, kinds of yeah, disasters yeah, to happen. So they actually try and lure them in. And for, <laughs> Just for, for the tourists to look for, at. Yeah, yeah, for, for paying tourists to, to actually see these animals in the wild. and That's crazy, you know, For, for 20,000 of them in this river, you'd think <laughs> they'd, be, they'd be jumping over each other to try and get a piece of meat for free. Yeah. But um yeah, he went half an hour in and we saw nothing, which I was quite surprised by. Not even anything on the riverbank, nothing. And then the the woman on the boat <laughs> just went, oh, we got a cheeky bagger in the in the back of the boat now. And it, it's coming from behind us. And all you could see is the nose and the eyes. That was it. You yeah. didn't see any anything else. Like blinking, you would have missed it. It was just stalking the boat. Yeah, just stalking the boat, waiting for its moment. And then they kind of, hit the meat on the water a few times and let the crocodile breach. <laughs> and then on like the fourth or fifth time, they let it take take the meat as a reward. Um, but I mean, it's, it's going, it's full body length out of the water to take it. Whilst it's also- a couple of meters. Yes, it's a, a two, three meters out of the water. And it's also swimming against the tide. It's <laughs> swimming against the current that's against it. And it's also jumping out of the water, which shows you how powerful they are. Yeah. Um, and like obviously when you're when you're on the boat, they tell you more information about the you know the kind of life that the crocodiles have and the kind of things that go on. And the main way that they actually kill you is by drowning you. They don't like kind of yeah bite you and tear you into chunks like a shark might do. They 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 pull they, you they, under. they pull you under. They try and drown you. And what they do is they're a little bit like hamsters, which seems like a a really weird comparison to make, but. Like when a hamster shoves food in its mouth and saves a bit for later. Yeah. That's what the crocodiles do. They they take you down, drown you, and then what they do is they, they store you in the underside of the riverbank. And then when they're hungry they'll tear a leg off, they'll tear an arm <laughs> off and have a bit and they'll have a bit of you at a time until they're done. So yeah, they're quite resourceful animals as well. That's terrifying, man. 
But um, the, the most interesting fact that when we were on the boat that we were told is that the more equestrian really in, in the fact that they, um, they don't actually have to go to salt water. They can live in, in fresh river water. But the reason why they go off is to, to clear all the algae uh, that's on the scales. So it's kind of like a cleaning process for them to go into the salt water which removes it all from themselves. It's like a cleaning process Holy shit. before they then go back inland to the uh, freshwater rivers again. That's crazy. So uh, yeah, it's uh, fa fascinating stories. Yeah, but apparently they swim all the way to Indonesia, you know. Yeah, so, I mean, if, if you look at the top of Australia, they go across the top of Australia from Broome and around that area all the way across to the Northern Territory. And then all the way atops the cross of Queensland and halfway down Queensland as well. That's thousands of thousands, kilometers. Tens of thousands of kilometers square, yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, and then they go up into Indonesia as well and <laughs> Papua New Guinea and all around that area. Yeah. It's like if you go to Bali and stuff like that, well, there'll be saltwater crocodiles there as well. God damn. And they, they live to be like over 100, I think. Yeah, they can live for a, a long time, yeah. yeah. Terrifying creatures, man. <laughs> <laughs> but fascinating to see if you get the chance, especially in the wild. Like yeah. places like in, in Darwin, there's places where you can go where they're kind of like in a, not an aquarium, but like an outdoor pool Yeah, where you can go in like this glass cylinder and you can go down and be in the water with them at the same time. Mm. And the kind of, the protective glass keeps you obviously away from them, but it's not really the same as seeing them in the wild. No. So... Yeah, it was um, a big, big tick list for me. Like Steve yeah. Irwin's Zoo Australia Zoo was a tick list <laughs> and so was that. So I was happy I could do both while I was there. I didn't go to the Steve Irwin Zoo in, in Sydney. Yeah. Yeah, there, I mean, there's just so many things you can do and, and there's so many things you can spend money on and, you know. Yeah, I mean, yeah. as you know, Australia is quite an expensive place. It is. Um, everywhere yeah. you go, you have to pay for Wi-Fi and there's nothing really that's free. <laughs> and it's shitty yeah. Wi-Fi too. Yeah, very poor. But but, um, but I don't know, I kinda, it kind of didn't bother me that much because it's, it's a good excuse to not get on your phone. <laughs> exactly, you're not a phone zombie actually, yeah. you know. That was Talking one thing. to people and, you know, you, you strike up conversation that you never thought you might ever have in your life with someone. Yeah, I met, yeah, it, I met people there, I made friends that, that, you know, with people you never thought you'd meet and, yeah. You exactly. Know. I mean, look at you, for example, some, some crazy Dutch dude <laughs> on some tour. I mean, I would have never probably come across someone like yourself yeah. if I was in the UK or, or maybe on a two week holiday trip somewhere to the Mediterranean. So, you know. You get when you go backpacking, you meet people almost instantaneously as yeah. soon as you arrive in your room. Yeah, you just make a chat, just shake a hand, like, hey, man. Yeah, uh, how's it going? Where yeah. you been? And, and from there, I mean, you can have lifelong friendships. So For sure, for sure. Yeah, yeah. It's, it's a really good way to meet people. I think at the start when I went with a friend, that was the right thing for me and, and we both got on really well. But at the same time, when I went to New Zealand after that, I went on my own and at the start of it all, I was a bit nervous. But as soon as I got to my hotel room and people just start chatting away, all of a sudden you're like, actually, I don't know why I was so worried in the first place because you meet people on the different kinds of activities and the places you go. So Yeah, you're all kind of in the same boat, you know? Yeah, and, and when you find out that loads of other people are going solo as well on their own journeys with their own plans of where they want to go. Yeah, I mean, I... I 
in a way, I think the best way to do the backpacking thing is to at least do it for a while just by yourself. Yeah. It's a good way to, yeah, you know, figure some things out about yourself and, and also a great way to meet new people. Like if you're, if you're alone, mm. there's no better way to, to interact because you have no choice. Yeah, exactly. You're, you're forced to, to talk yeah. to people. So if you're not very comfortable socializing, it's a fantastic <laughs> way of socializing. You're going to be sat alone for a lot of, a lot of evening meals, but yeah. at, at the same time it works the other way. You know, if, if you're surrounded by all the, people and family and friends at home all the time you don't really have much time to yourself when you're at home when you go away backpacking on your own or or traveling somewhere else it gives you time to be with your own thoughts and try out things that you might not have which is i I think being by yourself with your own thoughts is very important and i think a lot large part of society is missing out on that these days with the phones and the screens all the time yeah. I mean, if if you're sitting on the train or you're just even walking around, there's people just they're they're glued to their phone, you know. And, yeah, and I mean, I mean, you strike up a conversation with a randomer on your commute to work, and it can be taken one of two ways. Yeah, one they're happy to speak to someone else; <laughs> they're not just you know looking at the phone all the time or reading a book. Yeah. Or two, they want nothing to do with you and they think it's a weird situation. Someone talking to them on on the same journey they make every day. So it can go one of two ways, can't it? Yeah. Well, but, I'd, I'd say there's a bigger chance that things are going to be awkward and weird if some random, if you start talking to a random person on the train, you know? Yeah. It's, yeah. Which is weird because it's not like that in, in hostels at all. It's no. the opposite. And, and the more you talk to people, the more you realize, well, actually, I know that person that I went to school with, university with, worked there or traveled there or went on holiday there, whatever. And they're like, oh, I also went to school with them. And you you instant you instantly have someone it's kinda of like a middle ground of conversation and, and it goes on from there. So Yeah. Yeah, it's just amazing how much people have in common no matter where they're from. That's true. But man. a lot of the time you don't really get to find out because you don't entertain the conversation to start with. Right. So Right. I mean from my perspective, I don't I use my phone a bit, but I try not to use it as much as I can. I try and use it for maybe a couple of hours a day max. Yeah. Um, I'm mainly use it as a tool to stay in contact with people rather than kind of play games or one of those. Yeah. Where yeah. I'm just glued to it 24 seven. But that's one thing that, that, I, that bothered me when I worked at a hostel. I worked at, um, in a hostel as a bartender on magnetic Island for, uh, for almost six months. Yeah. So you know, I was I was there at the bar and and looking at just watching the other backpackers come in and go out, and um, there was a pretty large portion that was just sitting on these beanbags and on their phones all day, even though they were on this this gorgeous, unique island, which is still one of the most beautiful places I've ever been. And they're there for two days, and it's probably the only time they're going to be there in their entire life. Yeah, and they spend most of their day just logging on Facebook and, and yeah, exactly, and just doing the same routine because they don't know what else it's to the do. Same same shit they do at home yeah, when they're yeah. in their rainy, shitty, <laughs> you know, yeah, wherever I mean, they're from. It's yeah. like when, well, you went to Whitsunday Islands at a different time to to when I did on the, on the east coast on the the start of the the Great Barrier Reef there. But there was times where you know so we were mind blowing place. Too. Yeah, oh, stunning. Well, just, yeah, National Geographic. It's voted some of the best 
corals that you can snorkel in the world and yeah but also just the landscape yeah and exactly. the islands and but the, it's affordable as well and accessible so yeah which is nice it's not really exclusive um and yeah we you'd go snorkeling and go and see turtles if you got lucky or go around seeing different types and varieties of fish and then you get back to the boat and some people wouldn't weren't bothered at all they'd just rather just sit on the phone I was like, I was like, yeah, you're probably only going to be here once, and you know you got humpback whales surrounding the boats. Yeah, you've got clear water and you clear see the- crystal pastel coloured water, amazing settings. Yeah, and, and you're just looking at a comment that somebody said about some night out that somebody had three weeks ago, or some or some politic politics discussion with a bunch of people you don't even know you know <laughs> yeah yeah i mean <laughs> politics is a completely different conversation and different podcast in general but, yeah, but it, it can be fascinating but at the same get sucked time into that shit man. Yeah. yeah and uh you know sometimes you just got to live in the moment haven't you and yeah. take it all in and i think sometimes when when you are so used to just when you you got your spare time you've got nothing planned just looking at a device like a tablet or your phone just for the sake of it it's such a, a habit that you pick up that sometimes you don't even realize you're doing it yeah. such as on the Whit Sunday Islands I mean there's so many things to look at and do and people are just sat there staring at a screen yeah it's yeah it's weird I, I still think it's you know because it's still relatively new technology people are still getting used to to having it and it's still kind of new and exciting and those you know the social social networks they're designed to keep people engaged you know like they they make the algorithms and they've they've admitted it too like there's data scientists who they they optimize your news feed to keep you engaged you know oh yeah this is to create an addiction so yeah. you can keep using their products so you know they can use it to that's sell of, that data for advertising exactly yeah and that's that's one of the reasons why uh, negativity and 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 politics is is so pushed on there because you know, it keeps people engaged. People, you know, have a natural tendency to to get angry about shit. And yeah, but I mean, relating that to Australia and the kind of places where you go, such as Broome, for example, in in Western Australia, towards the north north side of there. I mean, the the internet connections and the the satellite discs that they have were literally non-existent. Yeah, and, like, and it's, it was actually kind of nice. To, yeah, it's to, like, yeah, it's, it's, it's almost yeah. liberating. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it's like thirty years in the past, forty years in the past. Some places that you'd you'd go. I mean, like Exmouth, for example. There's there's a few hostels there on the main road as you go in. Where where's this? So Exmouth is the more the most northerly point of the west coast on the actual coastal side. Okay. Um, so it's right up at the the north, the northwest side of oh. Australia. So that's where Exmouth is. It's kind of like a, a finger sticking out on that coastline, and that's where Exmouth is there. Um, again, gorgeous scenery. We were going in there on the coach, untouched. Yeah, and there's a whale breaching out of the water <laughs> and just jumping out of the water, not once, twice, but multiple times. And you're like, wow, it's incredible. That's the kind of stuff you see in movies and on TV yeah, only. Yeah, yeah, like some kind of documentary. Yeah, yeah, it was incredible. You could see it from the buses we're driving towards the town. Yeah, and and in the town itself, I mean, it was there wasn't that much there, but 
It was a pub, probably. Yeah, yeah, yeah. of course, it's Australia. There's always a pub. A, yeah. pu- a pub and a post office, that's kind of your staple. I was uh, I was talking to... to uh, I made some some real, real Aussie friends there, too. They're, they're actually on the second episode of this podcast, which yeah. is still the... I don't think I'll ever record another one that has that much profanity as, as that <laughs> one. But they... I'm not sure if that was on the recording, but they told me basically one thing that every town in Australia has, no matter how small, it's a pub. Because that was usually when when people decided, all right, we're going to start a town here. First building that would build is a pub. And yeah, and they need a focal point for people to meet. Yeah, yeah and, and instead of, like in Europe, most most cities or towns are built around a church. Yeah. But in Australia, it's, it's a pub. It's a pub. Yeah. Yep, yep. <laughs> <laughs> Which is their place of worship. <laughs> <laughs> so I'll have a Victoria bitter, please, mate. VB, <laughs> <laughs> mate. Oh, yeah. I mean, yeah, VB, yeah. the beer. They, they, have, they have their own beer, too, when you got VB, Victoria bitter. But if you're, if you're from Queensland, you're any self-respecting Queenslander doesn't drink VB. They, they're either Forex gold, you know, because apparently Forex gold they they rate their beers with with X's and uh, 4X Gold was the first beer that received 4X's so it's called 4X Gold now it must be pretty strong stuff no it's, it's just it's just a regular lager it's not that special to be honest and it, but it's alright you know it's fine and you got Carlton Dry and Carlton Draft I didn't like Carlton Draft that much wasn't wasn't that good? But Carlton Dry is kind of like a like a Corona kind of beer. Yeah, it is. Yeah, which is good for Australia because it's so hot there. You you, you can't have too heavy heavy a beer there. Exactly. And yeah. You drink it like water to refresh yourself out there sometimes. <laughs> yeah. Anyway, so <laughs> one 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 Australian typical Australian drink that I haven't really seen anywhere else, but it makes sense was um, vodka, lime, and and sparkling water. So you, you just get this lemonade glass, you get a shot of vodka, put some lime in there and uh, fill it up with sparkling water and it's just like you're drinking water, but you're also drinking vodka. And yeah, I've seen people drinking that starting from one in the afternoon and, you know, until till deep in the night. It's, uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's a nice refreshing drink that keeps you hydrated and, <laughs> and it gets you pissed too, as they say. <laughs> But, um, yeah, um, I can't say I've come across that one, but, uh, yeah, yeah, I mean, like you say, going back to Goon and and the different varieties that you can have depending on what your budget is and how much you're willing to spend. I mean, while I was there, I didn't really go to any super nice vineyards or anything like that, but there is some really, really good homegrown wine there as well. We did go to the Hope Estate with, with our, with our little tour that we did. Yeah, we did. Yeah. For, was it 10 minutes? Yeah, well, minutes. yeah, we we spent half an hour there. Yeah, we got the quick tour, and you know the guy who who gave us the tour, he uh, he liked his own product too. I remember. Nah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, it seemed like a lovely place, man. They had the Rolling Stones there performing, and and you know they had concerts there. Yeah, and it was. Uh, yeah, I rem- I actually bought a nice bottle of wine there. And I carried it with me in my backpack for for like two months. <laughs> <laughs> was saving it for a special moment. Uh, and, uh, and what was that special moment? That's when uh, when Alex came over. Ah, okay. Yeah, like yeah, she, she you know she came flying in all the way from. Uh, she wasn't 
Korea at the time. And I was like, well, you know, that's a, I'd say that's a good good moment to to open up that bottle. And how did it taste? It was good. Yeah, it was worth it. Was it some kind of like dessert wine, or is it dry? Or no, it was just a really good red wine. Yeah, yeah, made made a good uh, cooked a good steak. Had it uh, had the wine with it. It was good. It was a good night. Yeah, and uh, your family came as well, didn't they? They visited at some point. Yeah, they came. They came. They visited me while I was uh, on Magnetic Island too. That was was about. I think it was about seven or eight months into my trip. Yeah, yeah. My, my my mom and dad came over, and we we did a little road trip up to, you know, we went up, went up to uh, to the to the northeast, and after that we went down to um, to the Sundays and it was the second time I was there. Actually, I was was lucky enough to visit that place twice. Once with dark clouds and just spectacular views. And the second time it was just super sunny, and um, yeah, just just a mind-blowingly beautiful place. And we only had one day there. I, I only had one day there with my folks, so we uh, we we went on this on this power boat called uh, it was called the Big Fury, and <laughs> <laughs> it was like the boxer, <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, the Tyson Fury. <laughs> yeah, well, but but it was the Big Fury and. <laughs> And it had like a thousand horsepower, and we just flew through the wet Sundays, and then then you know uh, anchored or just moored at the at the big beach there, and uh, so you could walk around there and see the view. And there's this platform that overlooks this. Yeah, it, it's it's kind of like this. The, there there are these islands that are sort of in 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 half a circle, yeah. and and apparently there was an underground volcano there that created these islands and um, the the sand that came from that volcano is the finest sand in the entire world yeah it's and got high um silica content hasn't it yes so it's, it's what, super fine the stories that they told us while we were there was that they used it for the um for the satellites and telescopes that nasa produce and they're they're the only people in the world who are allowed to take yeah. that sand away so from they're only place. allowed a certain quota and yeah and um because I've seen pictures of when you went, because it was a slightly different time to me. And uh, speaking of the viewing platform, it's a, it's a little hike. It's what, 10, 15 minutes to get up there? Yeah. It's not too long, but I was um, I was walking down the top step and I was just looking ahead because the view is it just extraordinary. It overcomes you. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's, it's one of those like, things. One like, of those, it's like one of the best voted beaches in the world isn't it for like natural beauty and scenery yeah. it brought tears to my eyes when I saw it man I was like holy shit yeah I had is... tears in my eyes for different reasons so <laughs> I uh, <laughs> I uh, I was there with like my backpack on and I was walking down Big, and I got my backpack yeah and I got my um, flip flop caught in the top step because they had those like wooden steps with the gaps in between and before I knew it, I was falling in slow motion next minute <laughs> hit the deck went down on my side in slow motion and I was the last one to walk down so everybody's looking at this view looking out going oh incredible isn't it oh, behind him so they hear nice. thud and, yeah, and they, hear, they hear just this crashing thud behind them and they look around and it's just this Brit who's like got grazes and blood trickling down his cheek from where he's just absolutely made an absolute numpty of himself by ruining the moment <laughs> Fuck man! After after losing a bunch of beers, you you ruined these people's view too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was an actual face plant you made. 
Yeah, f- full on as well. Yeah, oh, man, you didn't break your nose, or no, no, not on that occasion. But um, <laughs> yeah, I was um, later on towards the end of of, of my year of, of traveling in New Zealand. I did something similar. So I was in Franz Josef Glacier, which is on the the South Island right. of New Zealand, and uh, that's also one of the most beautiful places on earth, right? Oh, stunning! Yeah, yeah. yeah. really. I mean, Milford Sounds, known as one of like the seven wonders of the world, yeah, which is further south than there and it it truly is when you when you go in the fjord there it's it's the, like, the mountains just rise up from from yeah. either side of the water it's incredible but yeah on this particular glacier <laughs> we arrived there um in the evening and uh there's a group of about 12 to 15 of us that set off and we had about four hours to get up there and get back before it went dark so like we didn't want to just sit around and and do nothing for the rest of the day. So we were like, right, we'll go on this particular walk. And we thought, you know, it's, it's going to be fine. It's going to be you know, like a little trail and then like a nice viewing platform looking over this glacier at the end. Um, and it was around the side of the valley and it was just really hilly. So it was just up, down all the time. Like you were going over boulders, large stones. At one point we were climbing on all fours going up the side of this waterfall and we lost the path that cut across the waterfall <laughs> that we missed and uh, we had to go back on ourselves by about 10 minutes and we were rushing up there and in the end everybody couldn't go at the same pace so we all splintered off into different groups and it was me and two French guys that were kind of in this second group almost and everybody was like spread out on this trail and we decided to start running <laughs> and, uh, in the dark yeah it's, it's going reasonably dark at that point and on a path that you don't on know on a path that's uneven you know yeah there's there's falls on either side I mean there's, there's steps that's nailed into the side of the mountain that you can go down as well and little rope bridges and all sorts it's a it's a really good hike so we start running we get a bit confident <laughs> and uh, we start taking a few risks <laughs> and about five minutes from the top I go and I, I put my foot on this rock and it's a smooth rock I just slip and I fall off sideways and <laughs> I go crashing down and puncture a hole in my arm on my left elbow. So I, I get back up and these French guys are looking at me. I'm like, how bad is it? And I can see like this little hole in my arm. It's about a few centimeters across and it's open. And I was just like, oh, for, like it's going to take me at least an hour and a half to get down two hours. So there's no point worrying about it now. So we kept going. So you're bleeding from your arm. Yeah. So there's a bit of glacial water. So I threw that on there thinking, oh, it's just super fresh. Like it's going to be at least clean, I hope. Mm-hmm. I'll put it on there in the meantime. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> and like, we get up to the viewing platform and there's blood on my cheek that I didn't realize I had. And then there's blood going down my arm. And the people behind are like, what kind of, what, where have you been? Like, who's missing? What's happened? You just got out of jungle. Like, yeah. <laughs> like I've been, you know, like, um, castaway, like, missing for years, and I've just come out of the bush. Like a wild man who yeah. was living in a jungle for yeah. a couple of years. And luckily, one of the guys there, he had, like, a first aid pack, so, you know, I spoiled his view as well, because he was looking around at this glacier, and I'm like, oh, do you mind you, like, patching me up? So, um, but, yeah, and then we um, we headed down before some other people got to the top, and uh, but yeah, the view was worth it. 
Yeah, again, yeah, yeah. It's, it's one of those moments where you're like, well, how often can you look at a, a glacier that's, that's in between two mountains that goes down and, and get within touching distance of it? Yeah. It's it's an incredible view there. So um, you have to like pause for a moment and just take yeah, it in. Yeah, take and, it in, yeah. And, and, and realize the, like, all right. Yeah. yeah, it's not for something you, you see every day and yeah. it's something that you might never see in your lifetime. So when you see it, you kind of have to take it all in for those moments that you have. Yeah. Or, you know, give someone first age. So, <laughs> <laughs> so, uh, but yeah, there's um like little waterfalls that are going down. They're like going off the edges of the cliffs and then the water just falls into a mist in the air. It's, it's spectacular. But um, by the time we got back down to the bottom where the hostel was and where pretty much everything is in that complex in the village there, there was about five people that were still not back and it was dark and it got to a certain point where, you know, we were potentially going to have to get in contact with a local ranger to go out and uh, find is. the people that were still on the train. <laughs> <laughs> and it got to the point where, you know, people started coming in one by one until there was one guy left. And we are like... Was it one of the French guys? Or? No, he's... Um, just lovely English lad, a really funny bloke. He's from London, so he's a bit of a Cockney accent as well. So. <laughs> yeah. And um, yeah, he was he was like the last one and no one else was around. And we're like, wow, half an hour's gone. Where is he? <laughs> and apparently he'd, um, he, um, a couple of people overtook him. And as he was walking down, he tripped, not seeing this, this rock that was kind of, sticking out on on the the pathway and he tripped and fallen into a bog <laughs> he went up to his waist in the shit and he was like covered in crap covered in mud like head to toe and it was all the way up to his waist so he's pulled himself out of it all and he's he's cursed himself like a oh, fucking son of a bitch <laughs> covered in crap there's no one else around to help him slightly feeling sorry for himself I imagine and he's coming he's coming down the trail and he looks at his phone and there's no signal so like he can't send the old phone call out to the ranger to come and help him at this point <laughs> and because his just, phone was all yeah, wet and, yeah, yeah. and destroyed and <laughs> so there's there's a turn off in the path that you can take and one leads directly straight back into the Franz Joseph town at the bottom and then the other one leads to a car park where there's a camping site yeah, and he took the wrong one. He took the wrong one. <laughs> <laughs> and he turns up and then there's this, this he, he hears voices. So all of a sudden he's like, oh, salvation. Here we go. I'm saved. Yeah. And as he gets nearer, he's the, he's like these um, German accents that he hears. And there's a group of like five Germans. They're all setting up tents. And he comes wading out of the darkness through the trees. All covered in mud. All covered in mud <laughs> and shit, looking like some kind of troll. Yeah. <laughs> and so he's speaking in some uh, a language that's not their mother tongue, so it's their second language. So, so you know, those guys are freaked out. Yeah. Like. <laughs> so he walks up to them and he's, he's, he's a big guy. He's like 6'1", 6'2". Right. And he walks up to them and he goes, he starts imitating, like gesturing like, I've been walking. I need a shower. Can you give me a lift to town? And at this point, I was thinking, oh. What, what would he sound like with with, with his accent? <laughs> I dare I try it? Yeah, please. <laughs> oh, oh, fucking hell, mate. I don't know. It's Australian. I'm yeah. still in my Australian. 
<laughs> you know, I'm not even gonna try it. I'm gonna embarrass myself. So I'll stick with the accent that I have. <laughs> and uh, I thought at that point, you know, job done. Like he's gonna get a lift. That's it. Right. So the Germans turn around and go into a huddle. <laughs> And they start deliberating whether they're going to help him or not. <laughs> so he stood there on the outside of this circle, waiting to see if he's going to get help or not while they're deliberating. And he's seeing the gestures that are being made. There's a bit of head nodding here, some, some shaking heads in other directions. <laughs> and in the end, they turn around and go, okay, we'll give you a lift back to town. So, you know, you'd think, all right, like a couple of them are jumping the van and, and the, the rest had continue setting up the tent. Oh, no, no. All of them took the tent back down, put it in the van, and they all jumped in the van and then let him in the van to take him back to town again. <laughs> the Germans are, are unique people, man. <laughs> so he got in super late, <laughs> unaccounted for. The local guides worrying, the tour guides worrying. And he, he waltzes in, covered in crap, in a dramatic entrance to this food hall where we're all eating. <laughs> and I turn to my left, I see him walking through. And all he does, he barely says a word, he just imitates me. I'm having a shower. <laughs> and that's it, he went for a shower. But yeah, it is one of those stories where, you know, you're like, Funny shit. Yeah, you want to fill your afternoon with a, a quick hike here and then next minute <laughs> it turns into a rescue mission. Ah, <laughs> oh, but that's a, that's a kind of that's a kind of cool stuff that happens when when you're just backpacking and you know, you get in touch with people, you you meet some crazy people and Yeah, yeah. it's it's I can uh, yeah, every every guy has uh, every young dude should just take off a couple months and just go backpacking. Yeah. I mean, it's, I mean anybody, anybody, yeah. if they have the time yeah. and the opportunity and they've got a bit of savings, then it's, it's one even, of the best things you can do. Yeah. You don't, you don't have to save. I mean, it's, it's not more expensive than, no, I than mean, you don't, you don't have to any have $10,000 or no. some extra, well, not extreme, but large amount for most people. Yeah. You can go with $500, pay your visa and then just try and get, work when you get there and work it out from there yeah you don't need a lot of money to get going it's just more about the experience that you have it's nice to have a bit of a buffer though i mean yeah, for, for I mean, peace of mind it, for it, peace can, of mind, it can be stressful if you i mean there was times yeah. where in my account i was down to my last three dollars like i couldn't afford a sandwich yeah and uh you know the people i was with you know they gave me like a couple of hundred dollars and then as soon as i got my savings through i'd i'd pay them back yeah in, in good faith but Again, when you're I, in that backpacking community, there's, there's people empathize because they know what you're going through. Yeah. Because you're all in the same kind of kind experience. Of, so You're in the same boat. Yeah, yeah, you all help each other out. And uh, When I was in um, in the Gold Coast, Surfer's Paradise, I was I was uh, stuck there trying to find work and I it just wasn't wasn't happening and you know, I was I was kinda I was also running out of money and I was yeah. getting a little bit worried and um then there was this this young dude from New Zealand, and he was this construction worker dude. But and, and he was he was a good he was a good guy. I could, I could tell he was trustworthy, and I had I had like five hundred euros or five hundred dollars left in my account, which yeah. you know is enough to last you maybe yeah maybe two three weeks if you're yeah if a you're few careful. weeks including food and if if yeah. you want to stretch it far 
a few a few nights out. Yeah. Yeah, and and but he he needed like uh, two hundred bucks. I was like, well, you know, I I I don't really have that kind of money, but you know what? I'm just gonna I'm just gonna support you because I trust you and you you told me even though I just met you a couple days ago we had a couple beers and I you know I trust you and so I I gave him this money and um you know he was super thankful and and he paid mm. me back a couple days later and um you know years later every now and then he still sends me messages like yeah man I'll never forget what you did for me back then yeah and but uh, those small gestures as well yeah. mean so much to somebody else when they're in a situation like that yeah yeah. And, and and years later, I mean, five, ten years later, yeah, they'll I, just message you out of the blue and say, hey, can you remember that time when you when you did that? Yeah. Which is nice. Yeah. it's uh, And then, let's see, there was this other, there was this other time, it was in, in Brisbane, it was at the base hostel. Yeah. There was this, uh, this, I think she was from Austria. She, she had her wallet stolen from her and... Um, yeah, she she didn't have any money to to stay in the in the hostel. And you you might have been there too, actually, during that time. I well, I don't know. And she was there. She was crying. She didn't know what to do. She was calling her parents, and they were they wanted to wire money to her, but the bank was closed. And the yeah. guy working the hostel counter at night, he was also just a backpacker who really couldn't do anything for her. And I was like, well, you know what? I'll I'll just I'll just pay for for tonight. It's like thirty bucks. And it was it was like like I had a lot of money despair or something but it's like well i don't i don't want this young girl to yeah. just sleep on the street you know yeah, it's, it's, it's a general act of kindness that you know yeah sometimes it's reciprocated sometimes it's not it's but not. most of the times when you're traveling you know yeah the next day or whenever they get it like the priority is to give you the money back yeah and, you and, know and so, so it paid, always happens and i paid for for the night and then then the guy working a counter the next morning he, he saw me in the morning he was like yeah man what you did there was really cool and um so you know we're, we're, we're gonna look out for you and and i was staying in that hotel in that hostel for the next for three weeks or something and the, i got so many free meals and free beers from the staff <laughs> that you know I, I i made that 30 30 dollars back tenfold <laughs> probably you know exactly you know but it's one act of kindness you never know yeah. what it can lead to yeah but which one which hostel was that that was the base hostel in, yeah. in or no it was yeah it was was the um when you're in brisbane there's there's two big hostels yeah and it's the one that's it uptown? like right in the city center yeah 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 because i, I like a beautiful old multi-level yeah, building it's really kind of like Victorian period building yeah, yeah it's, it's nice on the outside on, on the inside it could use some work yeah it needs some love and care on the inside <laughs> yeah but um, but yeah yeah they're, they're normally quite good there and they have like these um, poker chips that they use as, as tokens to go to the to the bar and have a free meal so I think oh, yeah, that's right, if you yeah. book to stay for so many days they'll give you like a free lunch and a free dinner if, if you book um, for a certain amount of time and, and to be honest they're decent sized portions as well yeah. aren't they um, and it's good food yeah you got you got and, like a kangaroo steak or something yeah and, uh, <laughs> uh, try something different like I don't know crocodile or yeah ostrich burger kangaroo's pretty good actually it's like gamey red meat very lean very high protein it's good yeah yeah well, we had a friend, didn't we, who um, worked on a, a dog farm. Um, and then when you say the word dog farm, you, <laughs> you, you think of the worst. <laughs> but um, This is not China, people. No, this is Australia. <laughs> um, uh, it was a, a breeding um, 
dog farm. So hunting dogs. Yeah, right? for hunting dogs, tracking dogs, um, for for hunting wild pigs on on farmland who normally destroy the crops and that kind of thing. Yeah, because or that's, they're in their outback. That's one thing that I learned too. Like in Australia, they're not allowed to have. Well, I think they're they're allowed to have some guns, but but not not a whole lot. They have to have licenses, yeah. yeah. And but if you, if you want to hunt hunt wild pigs, they like when 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 some local dude told me this, I was pretty shocked by it. But the way you hunt these wild boars is you let your you let your dogs loose on them, and they they grab the wild boar, and then you have to jump on top of it and stab it to death. Yeah, <laughs> you, I mean it's, it's quite graphic, but you know that's that's what our friend did, didn't he? You got to do um, it quickly because yeah. otherwise the the the, do, the the boar will kill your dogs, and and it will kill yeah. you too if you don't if you don't kill it first. Yeah, I mean it's, it's fucking it's, savage. With the kangaroos as well, sometimes farmers or or some individuals in the community are given a license to go and shoot kangaroos if the population's too high for various reasons whether you agree with it or not yeah but um yeah well if, if there's too many of them yeah. they have to be take it's got to be sustainable yeah. but yeah our friend that worked on the on, on the dog farm he was uh working for this really zany individual who used to smoke weed all day <laughs> and uh drink beer all day and he was this city banker kind of role that he had in in brisbane where he earned a lot of money in kind of burnt himself out, became so stressed by it all that he decided to buy this this farm in rural Queensland in the middle of nowhere. And uh, from there, he decided to raise these tracking dogs. So he normally got rescue dogs and, and different types of dogs and then didn't necessarily buy them himself to train them up. And uh, he went there and uh, on his first day, he's, he's there cleaning out the, the dog's cages and giving them food. And this dude walks up to him and just offers him a spliff and says, you want some of that? <laughs> and this is a guy that's been in trouble with the police and arrested, I think, on a couple of occasions for, you know, possessing uh, weed and stuff like that and grown his own weed as well. So he's, a, he's, a, he's an interesting character. But it's like an old, like a, like a hippie, you know? Yeah, yeah. A bit uh, of a, an, a Byron Bay or a Ninbin kind of character. Yeah. Um, yeah, for those who don't know, like Byron Bay is like the hippie central of Australia. It's it's basically surfing and 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 hippies hidden, uh, playing the bongos and there's you know there's, but it's at, on the other hand, it's I think it's the most expensive real estate of all of Australia. So it's this interesting mix of super mansions and super rich people and yeah and just hippies and, and yeah. surfing hippies it's, a, it's, and, it's an interesting contrast where you know you, you go near the lighthouse and on the cove and there's these old houses along with new modern build ones where there's absolute yeah, like this italian design seven bedroom houses yeah, yeah. it's gorgeous like nicole kidman and, owns one of them and other <laughs> yeah. you know celebrities and that kind of clientele but then you get to the town itself and you know, you've got this guy that's stood at the junction shaking these maracas that are in the shape of pineapples going, every day is a pineapple day, whilst, you know, wearing a Hawaiian shirt and the most brightly coloured shirts and shorts possible. I mean, there's such an interesting crowd that yeah. go there. Um, I liked it, but I, I was I was over it after after a couple of days, man. It was, it was yeah. beautiful scenery, good surf and good, you know. It was, it was 
it's a beautiful place. Yeah, for, for wildlife and the scenery, it's fantastic. Yeah. And they have a blues festival, don't they, there? Yeah. I think it was on when we was there at some point. Uh, that's quite famous as well. Live music in, in every pub. And, yeah, yeah. Yeah. But um, going back to the um, dog farm, yeah. he, um, he uh, was asked to go to, to the outback to, um, to help on this um, kind of shoot that they had where they were going to track wild boar. And what they had is paying customers that would go and, and track these boar, then hunt them down and, and shoot them. And uh, so our friend was given a rifle to do some target practice with, and he'd never held a gun before, <laughs> never gone like clay pigeon shooting or anything like that on a range or anything. Was it like a high power rifle? Yeah, yeah. And it's the first time he's ever held a rifle <laughs> at all or any kind of weapon of that. And so he's like lined some cans uh, cans up on some rocks to shoot at and he's doing okay and then whilst they're in the outback they stayed on this like remote camp that they'd set up where you're like washing the creek there's no electricity or anything it's, it's off the grid completely off the grid no and phone reception no nothing. phone reception unless you've got a satellite phone that kind of place yeah and uh driving along one evening they got the dogs in the back and the bloke just stops his car and pulls the window down and there's a kangaroo on the on the horizon at the top of the road a couple of hundred meters in front and he goes go on then have a have a have a have a shot see what your aim's like <laughs> so he rests the gun out of this car door window pulls the trigger and it hits this poor kangaroo right in the middle of the chest and it drops dead instantly that's a good shot. So yeah, an incredible shot. But yeah, uh, it's an interesting story for a backpacker to tell. And then what they do is on these tracking expeditions, they have did they, did different. They, did they take it back and eat they it? They did. Or? Yeah, they, yeah, they didn't waste anything. Oh, that's like, good. He ate so well. Like yeah. well, all, if, all organic. Whatever you killed, you ate. If, if that's the case, I'm completely fine with that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and when they have they have different sized dogs depending on what the task is while the hunt and the boar. So they have these smaller dogs that basically are the stamina dogs and they'll let them out of the, the car first. And then they'll they'll find the pigs, get the scent, chase it down, and then they'll be on, on the Ute or the quad bikes behind. And then it'll get to a certain point where the pig's in sight. And when they get near it and like the two or three dogs that are like the stamina tracker dogs, you know, have it in a certain area, they have the bigger dogs. There's normally two of them that then jump in and they're the dogs that grab, grab the pig and pull it to the ground. Yeah. And then after that, when, once the pig's on the ground or if it comes to that point, then it's up to the person that's doing the hunt to, to, finish the animal off and then eat it for food yeah um so he uh he jumps off and in this act of like adrenaline he gets the knife yeah, so you mean, are we talking about our friend our or? friend yeah so he flips the pig on its on its side so its back legs are off the floor and then it's he sticks a knife straight in its heart and uh it it dies within a few seconds Holy shit, but, did, um, did Matt do that? Yeah. 
<laughs> I wouldn't. I would never think he had that in it, man. Yeah, I was surprised when he told the story himself. That's amazing. But well, uh, I tell you what, the kudos thing that, to that guy, man. Yeah. Um, and like you said, they ate it all. They didn't waste anything. It wasn't some yeah. kind of active sport or anything. It was, He's a real man. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, there's various ways to be a real man, but yeah, that's, that's, <laughs> that's I guess, one way of, of showing that you're capable of doing something like that. But, but, but the, the main thing that I was surprised is when I saw him in Melbourne again and he'd been on this farm. He saved up a bit of money whilst he worked there. And because he'd ate that kind of food, fresh meat, vegetables and fruit, because the shops were so far away, he didn't eat as much chocolate or crisps or anything like that. Yeah, he, he loves his good food, man. He's, and uh, yeah. uh, he came back and he lost so much weight. He didn't have enough holes in his, his belt to fasten. He had to make <laughs> holes for him in his belt. He was fit. Yeah. There was, there was about two or three inches on his on his waist, on his jeans that he had to fold over whilst wearing them. God damn. Like, I'd, I've never seen him like that before. <laughs> like it took me by surprise he looked like a different person altogether but that's yeah amazing. the Outback diet that's yeah well, <laughs> when you eat healthily and, and you you live an active lifestyle like that that's what that's what happens it goes hand in hand yeah but yeah again another unique experience that you can wow. talk about when you go to these kind of places and do these kind of backpacking jobs that's amazing man that's uh yeah like going on a hunt and do something like that that's still pretty high on my list too like uh but it's kind of interesting that, you know, our <laughs> our friend is the one who ended up doing that, and like the, the guy who you expected the least from, you know, <laughs> and yeah. So, how how did he describe how that went? Like, did he? Um, he said, "Well, he said it was all quite um, automatic, really." Yeah. Because I mean, as soon as the the dogs had hold of the pig, they you only had those. Do. They only had those few moments to actually do it. Yeah. And. Uh, he just did it. Yeah. Just did just in one act. Didn't think about it. It was just instincts. Yeah, I mean that, that's done. inside all of us, you know. Even though you know you grew up, you grew up in the city. I mean, yeah, we're not that. We've been doing that for tens of thousands of years. So, yeah, exactly. I think I think it's a you know, it's not good that we're not doing that almost at all anymore. If you if you live in, uh, yeah, yeah, and then if you look at how some food is reared like chickens in, in, in battery cages and, and pigs and, and yeah. cows are raised in confinement or in these metal yeah. holding cells. Loaded up with antibiotics. Yeah. And, and I mean, when you look at it like that, actually, you know, if you ate and killed a, an animal that was living in the wild and it, it had that life that was natural, that's surely far better than eating any animal that's been reared to basically die for sure for the sake of food within a warehouse for sure yeah and it's nutritionally far better for you yeah yeah i'd say the food out in australia is quite quite you know it's good nutritious yeah it tastes good but you have all kinds of uh, they have strict laws on on meat yeah they're not allowed to use antibiotics or steroids or even if you go get a hamburger at mcdonald's or, or burger king or hungry jacks as they call it there by the way, you know you know why that is. Yeah, an Australian dude got the patent for it, didn't <laughs> yeah. he? Yeah, there was this <laughs> he wanted too much money, so they changed the name. There was this tiny restaurant somewhere in in some tiny town that was called Burger King, and it was before Burger King that we all know came to Australia, and, and they're like, "Well, that's our name," and that guy's like, "No, nah, mate, that's my name," and. Uh, <laughs> 
he he want, didn't want to sell the name, so they changed the name to Hungry Jacks. To, yeah, even back then, though, they offered the guy a lot of money. Yeah, but he was like, "Nah, fuck you, can't." That's, that's, that's my name. Hundreds of thousands of dollars. He's <laughs> like, "Nah, fuck you, mate. Fuck you, can't." <laughs> I owned a real Burger King, mate. Is <laughs> there any one Burger King in Australia, mate? Yeah. <laughs> you said was gonna fuck right off. Oh man, yeah, they're <laughs> yeah, they're they're some of my favorite people, man. They're just laid back. They know how to have a good laugh. They haven't been cursed by political correctness. Most of them, it seems. Yeah, I mean, so, it's they're up for a laugh. Most importantly, I think they're honest. Yeah, if they don't like you, they'll tell they'll, you. They'll tell you. <laughs> <laughs> Walk straight up to you. You listen to me, you bargain cat. <laughs> Well, if, you know, but if, uh, if, if they want to fight that you, term bogan, bogan, for, yeah, yeah, bogan is um, <laughs> describes someone who is kind of like a. It's kind of an Australian version of redneck, I think. Yeah, like a yeah, like a, a stoner or or someone that's kind of like. I think it's like low class, generally low of the low, yeah. yeah. So um, yeah, that's that's the phrase they use to insult each other. Yeah. Bogan. <laughs> yeah, the the accent is great too. Let's see, there was this, uh, I think you've seen this one. There's this, whoops. Oh, we can cut this out. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, this guy. All right, here we go. Oh, well, it's really quite funny. I was, I was in bed sleeping at uh, 2 o'clock this morning. My wife comes in and says, oh, the shop's been, uh, someone ran into the shop. And I said, oh, what? So I jumped out of bed and all I had was my undies on. I've walked out the front and I've seen uh, the car smashed and I've seen the bloke walking back to the car. And so I've walked outside and I said, oh, what are you doing, mate? Like, you can't be leaving the scene. And he goes, don't be a hero, mate. And I said, I'm not trying to be a hero, but the police are coming. And he just decided he'd scoot up the road. And I just said, nah, it's not going on like that, mate. So I jumped in my car and I started chasing him up the road. And then he went down a side street and then the police were coming. And I flashed him and sent them off in the direction of him. But, mate, all I had was my jocks on. I was chasing him up the street and I'm just like, mate, like... Because you, you told me that this is your mate's shop yeah. and you didn't want him to get away. Yeah, no, nah, no. Nah, it, it, well, me mate's mum's had this shop for like 40-odd years and uh, look at it. Look at it. it whoa. It's a mess, isn't yeah, it? Beyond a mess. Oh, like, words, words can't explain how it is, mate. Like, now, Daniel, you managed to put some pants on in the meantime. Yeah, mate. It's good to hear. <laughs> do you feel like a hero? Oh, uh, not really. It's it's just something you got to do for the community, mate. It's like <laughs> you look after your mates, and your yeah, mates I always think, uh, look after what you. you. Call a bogan, there you mate. go. Good attitude. There you go, guys. Yeah, mate. Daniel, quite the Australian hero here this morning. As for the owners of the fish and chip shop, well, they are insured, but there is a. Oh, uh, that's funny. But <laughs> yeah, you you find loads of characters in in outback towns that sound exactly like that. <laughs> yeah, man. I don't know if do, do you remember. Um, that guy Corey, who um, who threw a party and just destroyed the entire, <laughs> he destroyed the entire street, and the cops had to show up. And that's uh, let's see, here we go. That's the one. 
Well, it's the real-life risky business. A teenager holds an alcohol-fueled party for hundreds of kids while his unsuspecting parents are on holiday. 16-year-old Corey Worthington is now facing not only the wrath of mum and dad, but a $20,000 fine from police. I spoke to him a short time ago. Corey, thanks for joining us. The only question that I can think to ask is, what were you thinking? Um, I wasn't really. Did your parents say you could have a party? Um, no. So I didn't. why did you? Um, I don't know, it was just a get-together with a couple of mates at first, and then we thought we might as well just have a bit of a party, and then it sort of just got out of hand, and yeah. Well, 500 people turned up, the air wing of the police force, the dog squad, your neighbours' cars were being <laughs> destroyed. What have your uh, parents had to say, Corey? Destroyed police cars. Um, I haven't really talked to them because every time they call, I don't answer. Because, yeah, they probably try to kill me. So that's a short-term strategy. You're going to have to talk to them eventually. What are you going to say? Um, sorry. <laughs> are you sorry? <laughs> Sounds sincere. Uh, yeah. Yeah, I am. You don't sound very sorry. Well, I can't be exactly blamed for everything that happened because it wasn't in the house. It was out in the street and I didn't do it. Like, the police said, you stay inside so you don't get in trouble. So I did what he said. So Why don't you take this opportunity now to apologise to your parents and to your neighbours who have said today that they were frightened? Parents look super sad. Well, I've already, I've already offered like, to say sorry to them and stuff when I see them. So I will say sorry now for everything that happened. Why don't you take uh, your glasses off so we can see you and then apologise mm, to your neighbours for frightening nah, them? Nah, I'll leave these on. Nah, I like them. <laughs> they, they might be fined $20,000. Are you going to try and pay that for them? Yeah, but I don't think it's fair they'll be fined it because what happened, it was my party, but it could have just been any random person walking in the street doing it. What well, happens all the time. Your parents were out of town. You put out the invitation. You started it. Why don't you make a grown-up decision now and accept responsibility, take off those glasses and apologise to everybody that you frightened, to the police who were forced to retreat and whose cars have been damaged, and to the community who have had to pay for this. Take, your, take off your glasses and apologise to us. I'll say sorry, but I'm not taking off my glasses. Why not? Because they're famous. <laughs> because your glasses are famous. Yeah. Why are your glasses famous? I know, everyone likes them, so I know, I'm not taking them off. You're pretty happy with the way you look and the attitude you've got, are you? Yeah, my parents aren't, but I am. Okay, Corey, we've got to wrap this up, but what would you say to other kids who were thinking of partying when their parents are out of town? Get me to do it for you. Get you to do it for you. Not don't do yeah. it. Nah, get me to do it for you. Best party ever so far. Well, that's what everyone's been saying, so. Well, we've got to go, but I suggest you go away and uh, take a good, long, hard look at yourself. I have. Everyone has. They love it. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's a real Aussie attitude, man. Yeah. <laughs> oh, she was trying so hard to to get him to apologize, he wouldn't budge. Yeah, I love it. <laughs> that's a real, real alpha male right there. Oh, fucking Australia, man. I can. Uh, I, I want to go back there someday. It was some of the best days of my life there. Yeah, I mean. 
I think it'd take years, wouldn't it, to uh, to really see as as much as you can in each territory. I mean, there's so much to see. You'll never you'll never see it all. <clears throat> one place I didn't go, which I'd have liked to have gone, is Tasmania. Yeah, same. Um, it's one of those places where all the Australians were talking about how beautiful it was whilst in beautiful places. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. So, I mean, a, a seven-mile beach and and two hours north of Sydney and, and places in Queensland, they were all talking about how nice Tasmania is. Yeah. And I'm like, well, if the locals think it's far better or more scenic than here, then it which must is already be, amazing. Which is already, yeah, <laughs> which is already a solid eight out of 10 then, you know, it's, it's got to be special. So yeah, at some point I would like to go back. And then same with New Zealand. I only had 22 days there. What, what was your route through New Zealand? I've been there so too I, um, uh, in 2014. Started in Auckland, then went to uh, White Omo Caves where the glowworms are for a day trip. Okay. And then got back. Uh, next day I went to Matamata where the set of The Hobbit is. So I did a, a tour of the set of The Hobbit there. So that's just like uh, a little bit in the middle of the North Island, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, <clears throat> from there, flew to, to Christchurch. So I, I never went to Wellington. Um, Wellington's is a, it's a nice city, but it's not like, yeah, yeah whatever. And then yeah. I never went to uh, any other places on, on the North Island. So North Island for me is um, still a place I'd like to explore a lot more. And then on the uh, South Island, I started in Christchurch um, on something called the Kiwi Tour, which was quite good, actually. You get to meet loads of people, especially if you're traveling on your own. And then from there, went up to uh, Nelson, and then around to Westport, and then down to Franz Joseph Glacier, uh, down to Queenstown. Queenstown's did, cool too. Queenstown, yeah. Did I mean, you uh, did you do the 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 jet boat thing? And I uh, I didn't do the jet boat. I did um I did a bungee swing. Oh yeah. And then I did a uh, whitewater rafting as well. Yeah. That did, was did you the the biggest bungee jump there? I didn't know. I did um I did a canyon swing. So basically, you jump off. <laughs> it's basically a huge of, swing, of, right? Yeah. Instead of well, yeah. So it's it's like a bungee in terms of you got a harness on around your your body rather than your legs. Yeah. And then you can uh, instead of jumping off and going straight down and then coming back back up again in the same direction. You go forward. What you actually too. do is you should jump off. You go forward and then you swing across the canyon or ravine or wherever you are. So for me, it was actually, there's more to it. So I quite enjoyed that. Yeah. And I, I went for the traditional throw yourself out there first, kind of arms spread wide open, like James <laughs> Bond jumping off of the dam in Goldeneye. In Goldeneye, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. But um, yeah, there's so many different ways you can do it. You're jumping off backwards, you can go on a chair and someone kicks you off backwards. Yeah. <laughs> well, I, I did that one uh, too, actually, man. Yeah, well, there's I, something called a Bin Laden. <laughs> Where uh, you basically you uh you, you're in a barrel, and then they close the barrel up, and then they kick the barrel off with you in it. Obviously attached to a rope, <laughs> still swinging, but yeah, yeah. So they they kick you off in a barrel, which is That's some funny shit. Yeah, that's uh, but yeah, that was great. And then the white water rafting as well. That was um that was really good fun. Yeah. Again, I've never done anything like that before with the rafting, so. You know, throwing yourself down some some rapids and people falling out of the boat and you're, you're hanging on for dear life and you're in this freezing cold glacial water. It's potentially, uh, you know, you could get hurt. 
Yeah. Oh, yeah. 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 yeah there's um. I you was have to sign f- a waiver before you do oh, it. Yeah, yeah. Of course. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and uh, we were going down this one rapid, and as we were um, going along, we um, we hit these rocks that were under the water level, which tipped the boat out. So the the boat was kind of like ninety degrees almost all the way over before it collapsed back down again. And the lad was to the right of me fell off. So I kind of, my body weight went left and he came with me. And then as it came crashing back down, I went with him. <laughs> so he went flying off, hit his head on a rock, but he had a helmet on. Oh. And then he was just taken away by the rapids and pulled in by another team that was in front of us on a rope. And Shit, climbed he, back on. He was okay? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah just a scratch. But I mean, again... It's like one of those things you do. It's like a, yeah. it's an extreme activity, but you you also, you know. Yeah, you'll probably be fine. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Yeah. But again, it's, I almost like it when it's like that because, yeah. you know, if you're going to do something like that, danger, you want an man. element of danger. If everything's safe, then it's not really extreme, is it? No. So. The same with surfing, man. A lot of people don't realize how badly you can get hurt doing that. Oh, like, yeah. Or when there's a wave that goes over you and how long you're under the water for. Yeah. That too, yeah. But, but also the board can, can crash on you. Yeah. I mean, there's plenty of people who get pretty terrible injuries from from the board just just flying into them. Yeah, like if you fall off the board and and the wave catches the board and 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 you know the rope, you the board is attached to you with a rope and and it snaps back. And you know, can you imagine what happens if the if the edge of the board hits you in the head? You know, knocks you out. Yeah, you're face you, down in the water. Yeah, you could, yeah, <laughs> <laughs> eaten by by a shark. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, it's Australia, mate. <clears throat> Australia, mate. But yeah, but um, yeah, and then from there, from Queenstown, went to um, the Milford Sound for a day trip, then went on to... That's a, that's the most beautiful place I've ever seen in my life, man. Yeah, it's spectacular, isn't it? Yeah. I mean, Whitsundays was one of those spectacles where you're like, wow. Yeah. But Milford Sound, when you're on the boat there is... It's just, yeah. You yeah, can't incredible. really describe it. No, you have to be there. Yeah. For the sh- sheer enormity of how big the mountains are that rise out of the yeah. water from nothing to sheer vertical yeah it's like these towering cathedrals yeah. hundreds of meters high above you higher than the highest building you've ever seen <laughs> yeah. yeah and then um <clears throat> yeah from there went on to lake tecapo um yeah. which again is like this is gorgeous this inland lake. crazy blue yeah. green water yeah it's fed by um like three glaciers and it's pastel blue yeah and uh i always like to go for a swim wherever i go yeah and uh i think that's the coldest place i've ever gone <laughs> no one else was in the water but that's well, glacier water man what do you expect that <laughs> was about i got to about 100 meters out before I was treading water, but I only went out that far because I knew there's no predators really in those waters and it's an inland lake. Yeah. So I was like, fine, I'm going to go for it. And then I started heading back. And then I couldn't feel my feet. <laughs> and then I couldn't feel my legs. Uh-oh. And then one of my arms started to go numb and I had about 30 meters left. Oh, and it can, it can take you as quick as that. Yeah, you're cramped up. Yeah, yeah, yeah you're cramped up. You're, you're numb. You, you physically can't move your body parts to, to keep scary. moving. Scary. Yeah. yeah, yeah. And I, I got out with jelly legs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, from what was a little swim turned almost into a disaster. That was within a few seconds. Yeah, but again, it just shows you like you got to be careful, man. <laughs> freezing water, cold water, how quickly it can have an impact. Oh, yeah. But um, there's an observatory at the top of the mountain there that you can walk up to. 
and we walked up to it to see the night sky and the group that I was with. And oh, it was incredible. I mean, Fraser Island on the, the East Coast um, of Australia was was one of the best night skies I've ever seen. Fraser Island is, that's uh, that's an island off the East Coast. Like you, you go there from which town again? Like, um, it's the, the Sunshine Coast, right? Yeah, just yeah. it's just on from the Sunshine Coast. Yeah, yeah and it's it's this big island that no people live there, and you you, you can't you can only visit it. And um, I think there's a campsite, and you're only allowed to stay like one or two days. And yeah. there's and they have the wild dingoes and there's yeah there's there's still yeah. pure. It's, I think it's the only place in the world where there's still un where there's like pure bloodline yeah of of the dingoes. But yeah. we when we went there, we were thinking, oh, it's going to be thousands of them. Not a whole lot. And then there's, I think there's about a pack of 20 that's yeah. left. I mean, if you see them, you've done well. Yeah. But uh, yeah, the night sky there, you could see the curvature of the of the of the, the sky and the cosmos almost as it went around the earth on the angle that you're at. Yeah. But um, yeah, the night sky in Lake Tekapo, that observatory, just topped it, only just. But again, that part of the world, the night skies on a clear night, There's away no from big pollution. cities no light pollution you can really you know get to see all of the cosmos and it's just incredible yeah there's there's no world, words to describe that really it's uh yeah it's life changing stuff man yeah um, oh it makes you reflect a lot more yeah and then when you come back to your normal routine and then you're stuck you, in traffic yeah on the way to your cubicle <laughs> 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 with, with yeah. the dude with the guy tailgating you who's yeah. you know well at least you got a podcast to listen to right that's true yeah that's true but um, <laughs> but hey yeah you know wave out the window or look at the person sat next to you while I'm you commute and you start to realize that uh, you know those moments are are unique and you know yeah you might not ever get to experience something like that again yeah yeah it's uh, yeah and those those moments you know you you know um, I'm confident that you'll still be thinking about those 30 years from now. Yeah. The, the memories that stay with you. So yeah. Like when you go to places like that and you see night skies or landscapes or, or wild animals that are so removed from anywhere else on, on the earth. Yeah. You you kind of look at it and you go, wow, that was that was unique. That was special. Yeah. And if I get to retirement, then I'm sure I'll thoroughly remember yeah. <laughs> that time when I was at this observatory. When we were young and good looking. With a group of mates, yeah. yeah. And we were just, yeah. you know. Fresh face. I could actually hold down a drink. Yeah. <laughs> meeting, meeting friends and lovers along the way. Yeah. Yeah. Fuck, man. Yeah, every, everyone, I think the takeaway of this of this recording is that uh, you know doesn't matter who you are uh, or where you are where you think you uh, can go or can't go like the backpacking experience in, in um, Australia or New Zealand or Southeast Asia too yeah. I mean Thailand is, is uh, or Bali those places are are gorgeous too in, in different ways but you know it's um it won't cost more than than a than what most people think of a normal vacation is. And yeah, I mean, when you when you look at spending <coughs> two thousand pounds, three thousand pounds on a family holiday to go somewhere for a week or two weeks, yeah, that in the backpacking world can last you a long time, 
four months, five months. Yeah, well, if, yeah, if depending, you want to. Depending on which country, obviously, Southeast yeah. Asia is a lot more cost-effective. Or if you go to Eastern Europe or South America, I mean, yeah. admittedly, Australia, New Zealand and Canada are some of the most expensive countries <laughs> to go backpacking in. But again, if, if, if you work and save and you have the opportunity to do it, then... Take, it, means take, do it, it, take it with both hands. I mean, you might find yourself in a situation now where, you know, you sat with a friend from a different country that you never thought you might meet two years after that experience, sharing a beer and reminiscing about it. Yeah, so. sitting on a balcony in, in Rotterdam. So, yeah. And, uh, you know, after taking a plane from, uh, from the UK. Yeah. Well, I think that's, uh, that's a good note to uh, end this one on, man. Thank you very much for coming on. And um, yeah, I'm looking forward to do this again. I'm sure we'll have plenty of other things to talk about. Uh, yeah, thank you, man. And I enjoyed it and I hope you enjoy the listen as well. Yeah, yeah. Well, let's have a cheers. Cheers, man. Yeah. Cheers, Ken. <laughs> All right. Thank you, everybody, for tuning into the podcast. And as a quick reminder, this show is brought to you by Alert. Alert is the allergy app for travelers. Go to alertapp.com to get more information or find Alert in the iOS app store. That's Alert spelled with double L. You can find it in there and that will help you travel the world with your food allergies. This show is also brought to you by Onnit. Go to onnit.com, use the link on the website, thepolarizer.com, to save up to 10% off your entire order. Or use the code POLARIZER, that's P-O-L-A-R-I-Z-E-R, get 10% off your total order. And of course, go to thepolarizer.com to get all the show notes, get some photos, get some more background info on every episode, get some travel articles, sign up for the newsletter if you never want to miss an episode or an update. And you can follow me on Instagram at DutchDirect. I got some cool photos on there, travel-related stuff. And uh, yeah, that's it, man. Thank you for tuning in, and I'll see you next time. Thanks again for coming on over. We'll see you next time.